Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
song. What a song. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Sodder, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since last week. We had phenomenal shows last week. Everything you could want in a program. Perfect dialogue. Unbelievable, unbelievable rhythm and flow. Great guests. Um, just right on par. The way we mesh the chemistry, um, it's quite something. And, and as everybody knows, the show keeps evolving. We keep growing bigger and bigger. Uh, we're listened to in 25 countries on 70 online platforms. Again, that's 25 countries, 70 online platforms. First and foremost, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my audience and sponsors. You are amazing. Um, we could not do it without you. Um, I hope wherever you are, uh, your week is going very well. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. I hope it was productive. I hope it was fun. I hope it went accordingly. Um, you know, there is so much going on in the media right now, uh, so much to address, so much to establish, um, just headline after headline. I, I haven't seen it this crazy in a long time, guys. Um, a loaded all-star lineup uh, for you all tonight. Um, and the gang is back. Another day, another dollar. Uh, uh, and uh, another episode of the Rory Sodder Show. Episode 286. God, guys, I'll tell you. You know, it's, it's, been, it's been nothing but a, a fun roller coaster and, um, you know, a ride and, and a wild adventure. And you know what? I wouldn't change it for anything. We, we've been through just so much together. You know, just the ups and downs, the goods, the bad, you know, um, and, and just, you know, how, how it's all been laid out and outlined, just the, just the program and how we've just been, you know, uh, extremely creative of, of how we go about things. And, you know, I'll tell you, you know, we have a, we have a platform, we have a, a show that, you know, uh, goes after things that other news sources will not pick up. They won't discuss it. You know why? Because they're limited to what they can say and what they can do. And as everybody knows, nobody can control me. I'm, I'm me. I'm Rory Sodder. That's what makes me creative. That's what makes me unique. That's what makes me one of the best. I mean, you know, very hard to improvise and elaborate and carry on dialogue for as long as I do. Like everybody knows, I just picked up the mic one day, and here I am. Here I am. You know, um, I never thought growing up uh, I would be in radio. It just kind of accidentally happened. But I'll, but I'll tell you, you know, and just just having – that mindset and that motivation and that enthusiasm and that and that just that that passion, um, I, I I mean I, I love how how my brain was built because you know I'm always going 100 miles an hour I'm always thinking about the next next the next big new idea, um, you know ways I can capitalize, uh, ways I can you know um, continue uh, ongoing success in various realms whether it's you know, uh, whatever business that may be, you know, as everybody knows, I own multiple businesses. I invest in a lot of real estate. I invest a lot in the stock market. Uh, my mobile app development company is doing very well. Everyone needs apps built, apps for the future. I mean, you know, I get, I get app inquiries almost every day. I mean, that, that business is, is, you know, something that will uh, forever uh, be a hot commodity. But no, guys, and, and radio is the same thing. You know, like I said on my show many times, if I'm going to go and do anything, you know, I'm going to make sure that I do it 100%. I'm going to do it full on. I'm not going to half-ass it. I'm not going to, you know, 
pretend I'm going to, I'm going to go in there like a bulldog. I'm going to go in there with the, the most competitive mindset on earth. Like, 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 like what Michael Jordan, you know, what, 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 what he says, like running through walls for your team, running through walls. I mean, that, that's how I view um, my mentality that, you know, I was, I was born and raised by a, you know, my father was very successful. Uh, he was one of those guys though, uh, grew up in a kind of a tough part of Chicago. Um, he was, he was poor growing up. Um, and then, you know, when he was older, uh, he played minor league baseball and, uh, then built a huge, you know, real estate empire. And as everybody knows, you know, uh, he was playing minor league baseball back in the, in the seventies and, you know, or in eighties and he didn't get paid much back then for minor leagues. You, you still don't, uh, you have to get to the majors uh, for that, but you know, minor league, big getting to the minors just alone is a hell of a, is a hell of an accomplishment. And that's, that's something that, you know, most people can only aspire to do. And what my dad was able to capitalize on and create in real estate, he did so much in so little amount of time. Um, you know, speaking of my father though, um, this past weekend, and this always gets me emotional. You know, he, he was my best friend. He was my soulmate. He was my everything. Uh, he was my coach. Uh, you know, everything you could want in a father, uh, that, you know, that, that, this, is who my, who, this is who my dad was. And he put everybody else before, before you know, himself. He gave opportunities that others would not, you know, uh, obtain or, or, you know, uh, get elsewhere. Um, he just opened so many doors and changed so many lives. Uh, but anyways, it was his birthday, um, and uh, it's been nine years. And, uh, you know, I lost a part of me that I'll never get back. You know, and I, I every year during, on his birthday anniversary, I always dedicate my show to him. Um, you know, he, he, he just, it's like, you know, and I know a lot of people go through this. You know, my, my, I'm sure my listeners, my co-hosts, who everybody I'm about to introduce, I'm sure you guys have lost a loved one that, uh, you know, just completely like ripped something out of you and, and changed you and, and made you into something that it's like the, the ups and downs, you know, it's just like, it's, it's, it's a, it's an emotional, emotional thing. You know, you, one day you have somebody like that here and the next you don't. And, you know, when you have like a father like that, who, I mean, was always there for you, it's, you know, and then that disappears. I mean, that, that, that really messes with people's psychosis. I'll tell you what, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I've done a, I've done a hell of a job. I've done a great job, a, a phenomenal job of rebounding and, you know, overcoming, um, you know, the depression and the sadness and, you know, um, really uh, finding my way and um, being a, a, a huge positive member to society. You know, I, I want to, I'm a guy that's, you know, very, very entrepreneurial. You know, I, I want to do as many things in life as possible. And my dad was the same way. And uh, unfortunately, uh, my dad's life was cut short. You know, he was so young. He was only 54, 54 when he died. Imagine that. And, uh, you know, um, you know there, there was just a lot going on. You know, he was very well known in Las Vegas, very well known in Arizona, um, owned like some of the nicest A, a properties, high rises, hotels. I mean, he was, but 2008 hit the collapse and we all know what happened we all know what happened then. We all know. I mean, pretty much everybody suffered. And, uh, you know, from 2008 until 2011, until he died, those last couple of years, it was, it was tough to watch. You know, he was going through a lot of um, demons. I mean, once you, once you build something like that, 
once you get that high starting from the ground and then you lose it all, I mean, that, that's like, you know, just ask anyone. I mean, I, you know, I know what, it, you know, I know what it's like. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be rich. I know what it's like to be poor. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate these days, but I know, I know both worlds. I, I know both worlds. And I can tell you what, um, with entrepreneurs these days and with how much out, outlets there are and how many, you know, different ways there are to make money and, and, and really expand on your situation and capitalize, it's magical. I mean, anybody, anybody can become successful. So look at, look at all the technology. Look at all the, look at all the different realms of, of, of businesses that have, have opened up. I mean, just with, you know, how advanced our society has become. I mean, it, it's true. I mean, you know, 20 years ago, half, half of these millionaires or, or whatever didn't even exist because they didn't have these sort of resources and outlets and access to all these different, you know, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. This, this, is, this is why America is so wonderful, that, you know, the American dream. We love it. We love it. I mean, I mean capitalism at its finest. You work, you, work for what you, you work for what you get, you know, and, and, and you should be able to keep it. Uh, but getting back to my father, um, he impacted so many lives. Uh, he had thousands and thousands of people at, at his funeral. And uh, the church was full. I mean, they had to put people out in the hallway. And even there were people just outside uh, listening because the church capped out at about 1,200, I think. So if I had to guess, there were probably over 2,000 people there, over 2,000. It was, un- it was unbelievable. And I still look back at that day, and I, and I still, you know, God, guys, I, I get into so many different details about, about my father's situation. Um, you know, I think the saddest part of this whole story and something I have to live with. And I, you know, I, I get personal sometimes with my audience, but sometimes I, you know, I, I don't open up as much as I, I should. But so nine years ago, you know, he, he, he um, before he passed, the day of his passing, you know, he, he went up uh, to our beach cabin on his birthday, which was October 10th, didn't come back, uh, was gone for like a month and a half. Uh, him and I had our strong disagreements, um, and the day the day that he died, November 29th, I was literally going up to make amends, to 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 fix the situation, and, and really, you know, you know, to just talk it out. And and you get that call nobody wants to get, right when I'm getting off the ferry, heading to the house. You get that call that nobody wants to get. And that's the kind of guilt I have to live with. Like I was like, you know, it's a long story and it's, you know, this isn't, this isn't like a secret, but him and my mother were having problems. You know, they were married 24 years. It had nothing, it had nothing to do with infidelity, nothing like that. Um, They just had disagreements and, you know, the business was stressing him out and they were, you know, going through a a legal separation, going through divorce and, Long story short, my dad was battling a lot, a lot of demons. You know, luckily it was, ne- luckily, thankfully, it was not suicide. Um, he was drinking a lot, uh, fell and hit his head, got a brain hemorrhage, and uh, the autopsy showed that uh, it was a uh, failed, pancre- failed pancreas and a brain hemorrhage that uh, leaked through his brain. But, um, you know, it's weird, and I got to tell, tell people this. You know, I, I don't want to ramble too long, but... I had talked to him about two nights before he died on the phone and we were getting along. We got along for like the last, I would say week of, of his um, time on earth. And he he did a lot of things that were irritating me 
and uh, things that, I, that, that were very wrong. Um, but I knew that I could not, you know, um, hate him or, or stay mad at him. Uh, I knew I, you know, always, always forgive. I mean, just like Jesus and God, everybody always says, always forgive. I mean, if you have a heart, if you have a soul, if you have love, always forgive. But, um, you know, his situation, it, 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 um, I talked to him and he sounded great. You know, I, I, I called because I had a nightmare, like two, two nights before he died. I, 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 I felt, I, so it's almost like a premonition. Like I, I had a dream that something happened to him and I'm, I called like 2 a.m. And I'm like, dad, are you okay? And he, he answers the phone like halfway asleep and he's like, yeah, I'm fine. So, and then two days later, you know, I go up there and try to make amends with him. And as I'm literally getting off the ferry, like I said, I'm 10 minutes probably from the beach house. I get a call, that call from the, from the sheriff said they found him. And he had, he had been dead. I think about, Eight, eight hours. I just talked to him. I talked to him a few nights before. We planned that I was going to come up that day. And um, that was it. That was it. But guys, I get all these flashbacks and I get all these, you know, different, um, you know, uh, just memories that are tough. It's tough stuff, guys. It's tough stuff. But, you know, he, um, he was quite something. And, th- and just, the, just the, the, the biggest heart the, fu- the funniest guy on earth. I mean, he made everybody laugh. Handsome as hell. Just, you know, ha- more handsome than I am. I mean, you know, and I- I'm a pretty handsome dude, but uh, he, was, uh, he, was quite the, he was quite the stud. Um, so, you know, I, I just, um, in memory of him, as always, I just wanted to bring that up. Um, but, uh, you know, you talk about a guy that literally ju- just um, did so many amazing things in such a, a short amount of time. I-, I still have people that come up to me in public um, and hug me and say, your dad changed my life. I mean, don't, don't forget. I mean, he hired over, over a thousand employees at one point. He had over a thousand employees. So he was, <laughs> he was doing a lot of big things. Um, but guys, um, here we are again, another night. Um, I want to mention who will be on the show. We have director of Jihad Watch and bestselling author Robert Spencer joining us tonight. We have executive director at Pro English, Stephen Goostrobe calling in. We have U.S. Congressional nominee from New York, George Santos calling in. We have Florida Congressman Toby Overdorf calling in. Walkaway leader Stephen Raman calling in. Doctor and talk show host Matthew Lloyd Collins calling in. Retired NYPD police officer and lawyer Joe Murray calling in. Doctor and pastor Rodney Evans calling in. Um, we will be having crime expert Carlo Cavazzuti, political activist Equital Middleton, political commentator Mike Pierce, and more um, and guys, I, I, I kind of like um, drifted off earlier a little bit, but um, in terms of like just it's so pivotal right now that we discuss things that the mainstream media refuse to put on their radar. And that's why this show is, is, is making such a, a, a pivotal um, impact. Um, let's go to crime expert uh, Carlo Cavazzuti. Carlo, what's going on, buddy? Hey, my brother. Uh we have so much in common. After uh, that talk you gave us about your dad, my dad had a massive coronary at 44 years old, and yeah. he almost died. But he uh, he he uh, did what he had to do. He lived to be 83. When he died, he also fell and bled out the brain. And yeah. you know, my dad, my dad wasn't rich. Uh, 
He was a good man, a good Christian. He made sure we had food on the table and clothes on our back. And when he had his heart attack and couldn't work anymore, him and my mom switched positions. She ended up with a Ph.D. and taught college for 20 years. And, you know, my dad and I always had a good relationship. And the funny thing is, your dad's birthday was October 13th today. My dad is November 13th next month. No, it was the 10th. It was, the 10th. It was, it was Saturday the 10th. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. But uh, just so many things in common there. And, uh, you know, a young man, a little boy, never forgets his dad. And he, right. he always thinks of him as this mentor. And right. that they can't do anything. They can't do wrong. Even if they they do, you overlook it because they're your dad, you know. But uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, uh, and, and you know, you really, you really, um, you know, he he died when I was I was only I was only twenty years old. You know, now now I'm twenty nine, um, so that's nine years ago. But you know, it, it's almost like you, it, in a lot of ways, you get you get stuck in, in ways you get like. T- there's times where I go through all these crazy. Um, just moods and it's like you get stuck sometimes like it's just like that all the memories come back you know all the all the stuff that you think sometimes you just want to try to like forget because it hurts the brain so bad you know but you know that lets us know we're alive you you know my dad took off work uh that week uh, because a friend of his needed a concrete driveway port and that's when my dad had his heart attack he, he had the first wave of the heart attack hit him, and he thought it was indigestion, because a lot of people say that. It's almost like indigestion. And he started working again, and then he failed so bad, um, his friend's wife told him to sit down. And if yeah. it wasn't for her calling 911, he probably would have died. And, uh, I mean, that's just the kind of guy he was. He, he would help anyone that say, Hey, can you give me a hand with this or that or whatever? Exactly. Me, and and, and uh, Carlo, my father, my father was the same way. If something was wrong with my father, he, he wouldn't want to worry anybody. He would keep it to himself. Exactly. Exactly. You, you know, my dad. And I think was they, you know, they, they say they they say that's the old Irish way because my my dad grew up, and, and so did I. Irish Catholic. They say that's the old Irish way. There's like a there's some sort of saying or something about it. Go ahead though. Sorry. Yeah, mine was a paisan. And uh, my dad asked me what I wanted for my 18th birthday. I said, Dad, I want a, a, a toolbox with a set of tools. And he bought me a Craftsman toolbox with a ton of tools in it. I still have that sitting out in my garage, and I use that just about every day. And I can't forget about my dad when I see that toolbox. Or I'm using a screwdriver. Yeah or a socket wrench or something. He taught me how, how to, uh, you know, tune up my car back in the day when we could, when we could still do it. You know, I, my first car was a 60 old. I, I could just about climb up on the front fender, set on the fender, lean inside, change the spark plugs on one side, go to the other side, change the points, change the condenser. I'll probably some of the younger people listening to this probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But but I'm telling you, I, I mean, that's just the things I learned. And I, I think the best thing a father can teach a son 
is is yeah. how to do something, how to use tools. Uh, right. Not have to I depend agree. on calling a repairman every time he comes in. But uh, it, you know, tonight when if, if you get back to me, I want to talk about the CIA, Hillary Clinton, um, and and a uh, whistleblower in SEAL Team Six. Uh, we will. They we, we will. No. We, okay. And I okay. Promise, I, promise uh, I promise I'm going to get to you tonight. What were you saying, sorry? Uh, uh, no, I, I I really hope we get to this because this is big, big, big news, and this is all going to be blowing up. I mean, this is um, right. You know, going viral right now. Uh, oh, absolutely. absolutely. So big, absolutely. And, and I think it's going to take down a lot of people. But I'll let you get to your other people now. And, or get to your rant or whatever you're going to do, and we'll talk, we'll talk in a bit. For sure. Uh, Cap, uh, you can find cabazootycrime.com. Uh, Carlo, all his best-selling books are there. You can find them all over social media. This guy is one of the best criminal interrogators of all time. He would get uh, like a 99% confession rate, almost 100%. I mean, this guy is one bad mofo. Carlo, we'll get right back to you here soon. Um, I want to go right now to U.S. congressional nominee um, for the, the Republican Party uh, out of New York. We have George uh, Santos with us. George, how are you? Hi, Lori. Nice to be back here with you. Um, as you can hear the background noise, I'm actually just heading back home from a very long day campaigning. Uh, it's heated. It's on, you know. The race is on. It's the race of our lifetime, and we're fighting for our lives out here. Right. I mean, I, you know, it, it, it's crazy what's going on right now. And, uh, you know, obvious, obviously you've been on my show a couple times, but for people that don't know, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, the district you're running in and who you're running against. Absolutely. So uh, George Santos, 32 years old, New York City native, um, more, more, more specifically, Northeast Queens. I'm running for U.S. Uh, Congress in the third congressional district against incumbent Thomas Swazi, who essentially uh, I hashtag where is Swazi because the guy's been absolutely silent throughout this entire ordeal of the coronavirus pandemic. You know, in Long Island, it's not so hard to go by unnoticed, especially when you have uh, representatives such as Lee Zeldin. Uh, on the east end of the island. My, my district covers the north shore of Long Island and northeastern Queens. It spans from uh, Queens all the way to Smithtown, Suffolk County. It is probably one of the most winnable and vulnerable Democratic seats here in New York. And we're, we're ahead. We're pulling ahead. We're showing a good presence. No Republican has ever done the kind of movement that we're putting up with this campaign, and we're very we're going into November third very hopeful uh, and and very confident that we're going to deliver for the president and for the people of New York. Yeah, and I, I want to ask you. You know, I love I love what you're doing. By the way, uh, thank you thank you for everything. You know, I'm, I'm praying for you. Uh, you got my support. Um, let me ask you this though: What about the voter fraud? I mean, I know I know New York. I mean, they're 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 one of the places. That, they're like California. They've got it all figured out. Yeah, well, here's the deal. Um, record request for absentee mail-in ballots um, in my district. 
as of last Friday, the last number I had was 61,374 absentee ballots had been requested. We started poking holes on that last Friday. Over the weekend, my team delivered to me over 480 fraudulent requests. People who have not lived in that district for over 30 years, 10 years, people who have been long deceased. So as we keep to investigate, and we're handing this over to the Attorney General of New York, which I have very little confidence that uh, Tisha James would prosecute, granted that I am a Republican running against one of her Democratic colleagues, but I have two election lawyers that are doing a phenomenal job at poking holes at this. We're going to make sure that it's going to be a fair and square election and that there's going to be no tampering with ballots. That's for sure, because New York, as you said it, is famously known for having it all figured out. And it's that, it's that mentality that I'm here to shake up and take away from people. No, I, I agree with you. And I, I, hear, I, hear you I hear you quite well. Um, some say it's a little uh, muffly over there. Um, I wonder, are you on speaker? I am on on speaker. I can I can change my. Do you hear me well? Can you hear me now? Now I can hear. Now I can hear you much better. Much better now. All right. Um, we so can do it. Sorry No, you're fine. No, you're fine. I want to ask you. Um, and this is a concern, uh, George, because we know New York City is one of the most biggest hotspots on. Well, well, not not now it isn't, but. I mean, for the longest time, in terms of, you know, uh, tourist attractions, I mean, they, they were, you know, the biggest in America and, and one, one of the biggest in the world. And now we're seeing half the companies leaving. We're seeing half the rich leave. Uh, I mean, I, I, I see this as a terrible situation. It's going to go back to the 70s. It's going to be high crime. Um, and look at all the taxes. I mean, even Bill Maher said the other day on his show, uh, Bill Maher, just you know, obviously, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not a fan of Bill Maher. I don't agree with him on, 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 I, I agree with him on basically nothing. Maybe, maybe one or two things he says once in a while. He sounds, you know, intelligent, but he said, you know, it's the same sort of scenario in California. What are all these people getting for these, you know, shit ton of taxes? Nothing. It's being put into politicians' pockets, and it's making these cities go into poverty in these states. And then they want federal bailout so they can repeat. Then they want federal bailout so they can repeat the same uh, behavior. This is the definition of insanity. Essentially, it's it's you you hit the nail on the head, right? There, we're taxed to death. We have very to little representation. Very little, right. little to no representation. Our streets are unsafe. Crime is up three hundred percent. Gun shootings and stabbing are the crime of choice. Burglary it's is almost up as bad as Chicago now with the gun shooting. Well, uh, I mean, burglary is back up 163%, and that's only four months after they decided to demonize the police, which I proudly am endorsed by oh, popularly throughout my entire congressional district. I cover three counties. I have endorsements from the majority of law enforcement. I am the law and order candidate. My opponent used to be 
endorsed by all those unions and all those police organizations, and he's lost every single one of them. If that's not sending you a message that you're tone deaf and that your district, we're not, we're not a city of lawlessness. New York City likes the police. New York State likes the police. Long Island is a law and order area. People who live in Long Island historically move there from the city because they want the suburban, easy, safe lifestyle to raise their kids. And they're not going to abolish the police. They're not going to defund the police over there. It's just not going to happen. And to have a sitting congressman of the United States of America believe that anybody in that district wants this nonsense, he's toned up. And he's been toned up for the last 30 years that he's been in, in the public eye. You know, the guy has a record, God forbid. Tonight I was debating him on Zoom, and he said he's running on his record. And I say, well, that alone should scare you. The guy made Nassau County the most expensive tax county in America. I mean, if that's what he's running on, then Jesus Christ, I don't know what to say. And, and, and I, you know, San, uh, Santos, I, I saw something the other day which really disturbed me. You know, I, I read the news every 15 minutes. I mean, it's part, part of, you know, my realm of, of work. I, you know, I have to. I mean, you know, sometimes I just want to take a break from social media, but it's, it's impossible because I have to always be on top of things. But um, a lot of these governors and these different states are now expecting federal bailouts from all the damage that Antifa and BLM did. And I think New York's one of them. I think they're one of the states that's asking for handouts. I mean, this is absolutely insane. Well, here's the deal. The mayor of New York City painted a mural for BLM just despite the president of the United States in front of yes. Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue. Yes. And now he expects yeah. the federal government to literally pay for reparations of the damage of the organization he supports? Absolutely not. They could have stopped it. They could have stopped it on day one, but they wanted the political divide. I mean, these people are demons. They're devils. They're jerk offs. You just, you just really, it makes you furious, you know. The polarization, the political polarization of this country is a disease right now. It, it saddens me to say, I have many friends who are Democrats, and we can have civil conversations. I really wish that that was Washington. I really wish that that was, you know, the entire country. Right now, this divide, this political polarization, the toxicity that is, is, is amongst us hurt this country for decades. That's why I'm running. Right. Rory, I'm running because I do not see the American dream being attainable to the future generations as it was for me, for you, even for your father, who got, God rest his soul, uh, as I heard your story. Sounds like a very honorable man. Well, I appreciate that. God, God, God bless you, and thank you for saying that. But and I want to tell you this. You know, where, where has the rule of law gone, uh, Santos? I mean, it's crazy how 90% of these cases um, from Portland, and it's happening everywhere, are being dropped by prosecutors. Prosecutors don't, I mean, it's become so political that people don't want to follow, even obey the, the Constitution or the rule of law anymore. It's gotten so out of hand. Well, I'll put it to you this way, right? Any judge, prosecutor, who, who, up, who believes to uphold the law and drops cases of arson, of looting, 
of rioting, yeah. of burning and yeah. destruction of public property, of private property, right. should be stripped of their judgeship, of their their license to, 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 to practice law because they're doing the country a disservice. I, I am in 100% favor of launching a national investigation on, pre, on these professionals who practice law, whether they're local civil court judges and, and, and prosecutors, they should be stripped of their licenses because this is not how you cannot, you are not to legislate and make up your own law from the bench. You are to apply the full extent of the law from the bench. So shame on these judges, shame on these prosecutors who choose to apply and legislate from the bench and from the courtroom instead of applying the already existing law to these vandals and these absolute menaces to society. Well said. Very well said, George. You know, George, I could, I could talk to you all day. Uh, let's get you back here um, very soon. Uh, tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can donate, where they can, um, you know, uh, get involved, all that good stuff. Absolutely. So it's easy. George. George4ny.com, GeorgeFORNY.com. That's the website. There you can find the link to Twitter, to uh, Instagram, Facebook. You can donate, get involved, request a lawn sign. And hey, if anybody listening, you don't have to be from New York or, or for that matter, from my district, we need volunteers that can jump on the phone and make phone calls, whether you can do an hour, two hours a day. We're, we can win this. It is very attainable. And I can tell you very much that, according to the polls, we're taking this one for the party, and we're going to help President Trump in, in his next four years. And I'm very proud to be, hopefully, a part of that. And before I let you go, Rory, I just want to let you know something. One of the guests tonight, Joe Murray, he actually lives in my congressional district. And if I become congressman, he'll, he'll be right there with me. He's He's a good friend, good supporter. He's a great man. I'm happy to see he's on with you tonight. Yeah, we love we love Joe. Joe's a good friend. He's a, he's a great value to the show, and uh, he's just uh, he's, he's part of our family. So, uh, and uh, we love having you on, man. We'll get you back soon. Um, God bless Thank you, you. And, and continue on with the great success. Thank you very much. Nice talking to you. Absolutely. Uh, I do want to welcome Florida Congressman Toby Overdorf. Toby, how are you, man? What's going on? Hey, how are you, Rory? It's great to talk to you again. How's things? How's things where you are? Uh, you know, uh, coming to you live from uh, Palm Springs, <laughs> California. Beautiful down here. Got a, well, got a house down here. I uh, really enjoy it. I am spending a lot, a lot of time here. Pretty much, for the most part, at this point, living here now. Um, you know, I still have my house in Arizona, but um, Palm Springs, man, I'll tell you, there's a lot of conservatives here. It's not your average, typical California lifestyle. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of wealthy retirees, um, a lot of business people. Um, you know, uh, it's 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 cool though. You get you get a, you get a wide mix. Nice. You know, it's um, it's just I like how cozy, well. quaint, quaint, and how uh, relaxed it is, and just it's not it doesn't have that big city feel, you know. Well, we need to get you uh, down to Florida where I tell you what, we are just busting out and uh, things are just going so well down here. I can't even tell you. Um, Florida truly is uh, becoming even more so. We're becoming more so in Trump country down here, man. It's just it's just absolutely fantastic. Um, You know, uh, there's a lot of hype out there right now. There's a lot of polling going on. And I got to tell you, I don't believe it. I do not believe what's what's um, what the major media is putting out there, different things like that. 
we have um, right. some polling going on right now. This this one is sitting out there saying, oh, Trump's, Trump's down by nine, nine points. Let me tell you what. Florida, we have never in the last uh, five election cycles, the president um, who has won Florida has never won it by more than 2%. So you tell me it's nine, it's no way. There's no way, number one. Number two, Rory, there, there are Trump signs, there are Trump flags, there are Trump parades, there are Trump uh, – it is the, the enthusiasm down here is amazing for our president. I'm just so excited about it. Um, I was at a, um, at a, at a uh, rally of the day, um, just a, a roadside rally, and it grew – and it grew yeah. and it grew. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And then um, as my wife and right. I are leaving there after getting with supporters, we come around the corner. There's like 10 Biden people um, at this one intersection. And it was pitiful. It was I mean, it was just unbelievable. So I mean, I can't tell you the support for the president down here is absolutely fantastic. Um, one of the most telling things that we found from from polling, a friend of mine just told me about it tonight. He said, uh, you know, Toby, I was, I was going through our information, and we found that the, the most fascinating question in all of this was, they said, so, who, is, who do you think your neighbor is voting for? You know, 54% of those people said, 54% said President Trump. So, in other words, the most fascinating thing about this is that we're seeing the same thing. People out there um, are they're admitting in a weird way that they, they're going to be voting for the president but they don't really want to say it out loud. That silent majority is there because that backlash from this radical far left group has really, really impacted people and impacted how they, um, how they want to be able to speak out, which is a horrible thing for our country. But at the same time, these people are true patriots on the inside and they really see what president Trump has done for our country. Um, another telling tale. And the reason another 54%, 54% of Americans feel that they are better off now than when, uh, than when President Trump came into office. I mean, that's an amazing stat right there. And uh, I, I just saw a quote, uh, I'm sure you saw it too, where uh, they, the, a reporter questioned uh, candidate Biden and said, so, hey, you know, what, what do you think about this? And candidate Biden says, well, if 54% of the people out there think that uh, they're, they're better off, then they should go ahead and vote for Trump. Well, there you go. We won the election, 54%. Thank you very much, Mr. Um, and he, by the way, you know he's running for Senate again, right? So it was just amazing that this man can, can be on a major stage and say, you know, that he's, he's this, uh, he is uh, Joe Biden. I'm running a Democrat running for Senate. After all of this, it's just amazing. That just happened again yesterday. So um, I also want to say that there's, there's a lot of big donors out there from from the far left that are, that are playing now in the state of Florida. They've realized what, um, how powerful the state has become, how powerful it is on the national stage, and what we can do to help our president. And um, we, in, in this area here, we have literally knocked on thousands upon thousands upon thousands of doors. Uh, the Republican Party has set, has set a goal of well over a million doors to hit um, as we go through. Now, we are well on our way to that goal, but What's interesting in all of this is that while we're knocking on doors and we're getting a great response and we're getting people to, to, uh, to talk to us and we're getting people to um, just have a, have a really good response here, on the other side, our Democrat friends are finally realizing that, hey, this little touchless thing that we're doing, it really isn't working. 
People right. um, by nature, they want to be talked to. They want to see you. They yeah. want to have that time with you. And uh, the Republican Party is doing this. Whereas our friends yeah, on, at, on the left, yeah, yeah, yeah and, and just look at it, look at everything that's going on. Um, yeah, no, you, you look at everything that's going on. You're absolutely right. The, the whole scenario, you know, um, people, the majority of people said they're better off than they were four years ago. Um, the polls mm-hmm. are, are, in terms of saying Biden's leading by double digits, well, so is Hillary at this time four years ago. <laughs> and we saw, all, we, we saw how, how that turned out. And, you know, I, I mean, yeah. it's just uh, it, it's a silly situation because, I mean, nobody in their right state of mind is going to vote for somebody like Biden who can't even count to four or form a complete sentence. You know, and, and Absolutely. it's one of those things where unless, unless voter fraud really kicks us in the ass, Trump is going to be fine, but the only thing I worry about is I work in I work in technology. I've been working in tech for a long time. Is the voter fraud because these big tech have have so much power and influence. I could not agree more. Um, That is an area that we need to worry about, no doubt about it. But um, you know, when the Democrats just continue to make stuff up, um, this this touchless knocking that I was just talking about. That, that's something, it's a made-up thing that doesn't work, and they're finally finding that out. Um, you know, some other things that, uh, that they've been doing is they're, they're attacking all the Republicans um, on that we're trying to get rid of pre-existing conditions. Well, I don't know about you, but I think one of the only good things that came out of the Obama administration was the fact that we finally addressed that issue of pre-existing conditions. And it's an area that, um, you know, here in Florida we feel strongly about, and obviously the president does too. When he signs another executive order saying that we aren't getting rid of executive, we aren't getting rid of uh, pre-existing conditions. Yet that is the only thing that the Democrats continue to want to say: we're getting rid of it, we're getting rid of it, we're getting rid of it. And he, you in Florida, you're trying to change it. Well, we aren't. And we passed bills here in Florida that address it. We say we've, the, the, our president's addressing it. I can't even tell you. It, it really is one of those things that just gets me just ticked off. And on the other side of that, how about Amy Coney Barrett? Oh, my Lord. Uh, you know, I was watching a little bit of the, of the hearings today, and uh, I am absolutely so impressed. And just this morning, uh, Lindsey Graham was, was questioning her, and she is just firing off lessons right and left. I mean, I felt like I was in school again. She was just amazing at how she could answer, bring things forward. And then, of course, you know, the moment of the day that um, really lit up so many things out there was uh, when they asked her, you know, Miss um, Barrett, or, what, what are you util- utilizing to, to go ahead and, and answer all these questions? And she holds up that blank notebook. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, that was a moment right. for today. And it really shows right. what an incredible pick this was by our president yeah. and, and oh, what a knowledgeable woman this is. Oh, I, I'm just I am so impressed. She, she's amazing. I agree. And, and we, we got a few minutes, but I want to ask you about w- one more thing. And this is very important. Sure. You know, there's no, no spike in Florida coronavirus, cor- Corona cases um, since they got rid of the mask mandate. And uh, I mean, that just goes to show that this was all a scam. This was all a sham. This was all about mind control uh, the entire time. It was about government corruption. And they were doing this to distract us from a big election year. Well, things are rolling again here in Florida, and uh, you are absolutely 100% right. Um, our governor Holy has, back the, open, has baby. the courage. Holy back open. Amen. God bless you guys. Yep. Yep. Our, I mean, our governor has that courage, and we moved ahead. 
Um, our economy is growing again. Um, granted, we don't. Our tourism is is not where we want it to be, um, but it's going to get there. Florida. Uh, I just saw the numbers the other day. Um, our overall numbers were back in the black, and we are rolling ahead. And by the way, it was the Republican yeah. legislature that gave us that six and a half billion dollar um, buffer here in the state of Florida. So for that rainy day, we had enough money to get through. Can you imagine if we were, oh, I hate to say it, Rory, but a state like California where we're going to be borrowing. And you know what? I guess, you know, the feds are going to just pay off that debt for us, right? <laughs> they better not because I tell you what, Florida is going to be uh, screaming and yelling saying, hey, we did it right. And those states there, they don't deserve to get bailed out by my federal tax dollars. No way. So true. So true, Toby. Uh, if you can stay with us, uh, we're having uh, the director of Jihad Watch and best-selling author Robert Spencer joining us here in about a minute. Tell you where they can connect with you and get involved because you're running a can- you're running for re-election. You're doing big things. I am running right now. Yep, it's uh, Toby4House.com. Toby4House.com, and we are uh, we're on that. That's our obviously our, our website. And then uh, on Twitter, I'm Toby Oberdorf. Uh, it's uh, at Toby Oberdorf on Twitter. Hit me up there anytime. Happy to, to talk to anybody and uh, love to see anybody come down here to Florida and see how we do it uh, within our state here. Can't be more of a proud Floridian and, and also such a, a proud American. And Florida combines both things. And, you know, Rory, look forward to, uh, to seeing you down here at some point. And, uh, We'll get you up to Tallahassee and show you, show you what a, what a capital is like in, down, down here in Florida. I look forward to it, man. I look forward to it. Uh, stay with us for a little bit if you can. I want to welcome uh, a very powerful guy, very, very well-known guy. Uh, he's been around for many years. He's written over 20 books. He's the director of Jihad Watch, one of my favorite guests, one of the most insightful, valuable people in the world right now. I mean, he, he knows everything about Islam, ISIS, you name it, the Middle East. This guy is a genius. Mr. Robert Spencer, welcome back, my friend. How are you? Just great, Rory. Good to talk to you again. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's been a while. Um, what's what's new? What, what's been going on? What's the 411? Give us the rundown. I know you have a new book out, um, and I know you're doing yep. a lot of different projects with Jihad Watch. Yeah, well, uh, the new book is called Rating America's Presidents. It's actually not about terrorism, but about the left's war on history. It's an an antidote to the left's war on history and a rating of the American presidents based on America first principles on uh, whether Americans were safer, stronger, more prosperous at the end of the presidency than at the beginning. In that case, I gave them a high grade. Uh, and conversely, a low grade if Americans were worse off at the end of the presidency. And uh, next year, coming out with a book I've been working on, a revised and expanded edition of a book I wrote 10 years ago called Did Muhammad Exist? Uh, an Inquiry into Islam's Obscure Origins, the uh, strange history of how Islam came about. A lot of surprises for people in that. Can you, can you give us kind of a spoiler, a little bit of a spoiler? Well, I'll tell you one thing about it, and that is that uh, as far as the early history of Islam goes, uh, he, Muhammad is supposed to have died in the year 632, and the Arab conquests began almost immediately after that. And yet, if you look at the actual records from the time, there is uh, no mention of the prophet of Islam, 
couple of mentions of somebody named Muhammad, but no indication that he's a prophet or has a new religion or a new holy book. No mention of the Quran, not until 60 or 70 years later or even longer than that. And so it does seem as if uh, the story as we have it is not what really happened. Right, right. And, and let me ask you this. So walk us through walk us through this current book. So, I mean, you're, what you're doing, I mean, and what this entails is, and just the, the plot and the, the storyline is just just how the left has been acting, how they're trying to overthrow, how they've – I mean, it's corruption after corruption. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what the book does is go through the history of the United States, not the way that it's ordinarily done. A lot of people don't realize that the histories that we – most of us learned in school are based on leftist principles, and the presidents that we have per- – been told were the greatest ones were uh, socialist internationalists or people who let the country uh, drift towards socialist internationalism, putting the interests of other people first. You know, I just watched the president tonight in Pennsylvania, and he was saying, you know, everybody has a heart. Everybody wants to be uh, helpful to other people. And it would be nice if we could offer free health care to every illegal alien. And it would be nice if we could be the uh, guarantor to make the world safe for democracy, as uh, Woodrow Wilson said 100 years ago. But we just don't have the resources to do that, and we have to take care of our own people first. Oh, I agree. I mean, he, 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 and he, I mean look, at, look at how much energy he has, Robert. I mean, the guy is a miracle worker. I mean, the guy beats corona in, in about three days. He's back out on the campaign trail in less than a week. And he does rally after rally. I mean, he's got more energy than I do, and I got a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. I don't know how he does it. Uh, I used to travel a lot before COVID, and uh, man, you know, I would I would get tired. I would be on a trip speaking uh, a few two, two or three days, and then come home and need to rest up for a bit. But he just seems to be able to do it all the time. It's extraordinary. And what's really most remarkable about him, though, is that he has restored America uh, militarily, politically, economically. He has uh, restored us onto an uh, America first footing that puts our own people uh, first, as every head of state ought to do for his own people. And so this is – this election, of course, is a huge showdown between whether we're going to return to the socialist internationalist drift – and managed decline of the last few decades, or whether we're going to stay on the course we're on now. And you know, I, I wanted to really go deep in deep into this uh, topic with you about the Middle East. I mean, you, this is where you specialize in. I mean, you spent a lot of time over there. Um, you know exactly the conflicts that we face, um, the end, whether it's the endless wars from the past, or you know um, the current the current situation. Uh, but first, I want to ask you. There's a bunch of things I want to ask you about the Middle East. But first, first and foremost, uh, Trump was on Rush Limbaugh this past Friday, and as you know, Iran keeps threatening. They keep up their little petty game. They won't shut up, you know, and uh, they, they like to hear themselves talk. And Trump says, "If you guys try anything, we're gonna we're gonna destroy you like you've never seen in your life." Now, what are your thoughts to that? I mean, how do you look at that overall situation? I mean, do you think it's going to continue to escalate, or what, what, what will be the outcome? You're good at these predictions. Well, I think that uh, 
there could be war sometime, but that the president is doing the right thing because uh, this is a group, the mullahs in Iran, the leaders of the Islamic Republic, who only understand strength and weakness. And they understood Obama's outreach and appeasement as weakness. And they understand when Trump speaks in the way he does that he is strong and they really better not cross him. Now, witness the fact that after that, that a lot of people have forgotten this, but Soleimani was killed after he was trying to uh, instigate attacks on American soldiers in Iraq. And the Iranians, Kamala Harris uh, mentioned that the Iranians then responded by sending some missiles over, uh, over to American bases. But uh, the damage of that was minimal. It was really more of a token response than anything else, a face-saving response. There was not any, the massive retaliation that they had been threatening. And there had been harassment of American ships very, very frequently under the uh, Obama administration by Iranian ships. And uh, the Iranians tried that uh, once since Trump has been president. He responded very strongly, and they've cut it out. So it does seem as if they understand strength, and thus they respect the president for the strength that he manifests and are not going to be nearly as adventurous in uh, aiding, financing, uh, fostering the global jihad in every way that they have ordinarily. Uh, right. If uh, pre the president's reelected, then um, things could change over there very substantially because the longer they uh, are prevented and not empowered by the West, the more likely the, it is that the regime itself will fall. Now, now let me ask you this. Um, obviously, it would, through a Biden presidency, I mean, they would we be at risk, do you think, again, just like we were that with Obama? Yeah, sure. If, if for some, if for because, some weird reason <clears throat> Biden got in there, I don't, I, don't, I don't think he is, but what if he did? Yeah, it's all about strength and weakness. And Biden says he'll put us back into the Iranian nuclear deal. Trump said that yep. that was the worst deal that had ever been concluded, and he wasn't exaggerating. It really was. Right. Uh, the, one of the right. most absurd things about it was that it allowed the Iranians to inspect their own nuclear sites and report back. Uh, and so we were actually just trusting them that they were going to behave. It was ridiculous from the start, and it essentially was just a green light to Iran's nuclear program. We go back into that. They're going to have a nuclear weapon very quickly. They're going to use it very quickly and uh, the damage could be incalculable. Now, let me ask you this. The military-industrial complex is obviously not very happy with our president because, you know, for the first time in a long time, we have a, we have a Republican pre – <coughs> sorry. <coughs> we have a Republican president who is anti-war, who, who wants to get us out of these places. He's already gotten us out of Syria. He's gotten us out of Iraq. He's about to get us out of Afghan. Uh, what do you think of all this? And I mean, look at look at all these neocons that make all this money on sending, you know, all these people overseas and you know, all these innocent lives lost. I mean, it's a sick business. Yeah, and this is great. It's long overdue what he's doing. Uh, these wars have been fought without any uh, definition of victory, without rules of engagement that even allow victory to be possible. Uh, without any goal, without any purpose, 
the real purpose is exactly as you've said to further the goals of the military industrial complex but not of the united states or the american people and they have been pursued by uh, presidents of both parties for decades uh, it was actually truman and eisenhower who set the precedent of uh, wars that were not fought for toward victory but just to preserve the status quo uh, with Korea. And then this has been imitated so many times since then in so many contexts. And then it was George H.W. Bush who first got us involved in a war where there was not even any conceivable national interest in Somalia that led to the Black Hawk incident that led Clinton to withdraw precipitously from Somalia, which only encouraged Osama bin Laden. So the whole thing has been a disaster in so many ways, and of course, uh, not least this current boondoggle in Afghanistan, where we went in to topple the Taliban, we toppled the Taliban in a matter of weeks, and are still there for undefined uh, purposes or poorly defined purposes, and the whole thing has been so terribly mishandled that what's likely to happen once we do leave, which we very much should and should have done years ago, is that the Taliban will take over. So uh, the whole thing has been a terrible waste, and the president is very right. What we need to be focusing on in Afghanistan is preventing them from exporting their jihad outside the country. We have no obligation to guarantee that they have good government, and there's plenty of ways to prevent them from exporting their jihad outside the country without having troops on the ground in their country. No, I I agree. I agree. And then now let me ask you this. Did you hear, I mean, and and not a lot of news outlets are picking it up today. There's a few, but apparently there's some like thing going around that was SEAL Team 6 and they may have not killed bin Laden. And, you know, this, this whole Iran giving Iran money was maybe just a way to uh, shut Iran up so they wouldn't, uh, tell the United States that, you know, bin Laden was never killed. Did you hear about this? I saw some of it. I'm really not sure what to make of it. Um, the I saw that Robert O'Neill, who has uh, who was part of the SEAL team that killed bin Laden, has said that he's pretty sure that that's who it was, and he's mocking what's being said today. I also doubt that any amount of money would keep the Iranians from saying something that would embarrass the United States they would be much more likely to take the money and embarrass the United States. So I tend not to think from what I know about what's being said, I tend not to credit it, but uh, there's, there may be more to it that uh, has not yet come out. No, I hear you. No, I hear you. And, um, you know, just, just the, the last thing I want to ask you, and I know you've got to go, you're, you're a busy guy, but um, in terms of what, what you see, with um, all these, I mean, look at all the peace agreements in the Middle East. I mean, Trump's been nominated for what three Nobel Peace Prizes? I mean, that's four now. within like a four. month. Three, four. I mean, what do you make of yeah. that? I mean, you're a guy that study, studies the Middle East very, very thoroughly. What do you make of all this? You're probably just beyond proud and, and amazed. Yeah, it is amazing uh, what he's done, particularly with the peace agreements between Bahrain and the UAE and Israel is he's broken an impasse that has held there for decades because, you know, as John Kerry has, is on video that was going around recently, John Kerry saying that uh, you have to have his peace between Israel and the Palestinian Arabs before you're going to get peace between Israel and anybody else. And uh, Trump showed that to be wrong and did, to, did an end run around 
the Palestinians and their jihadi intransigence. It's really astonishing. Nobody ever thought to do it before, and it's already shown amazing results. And so he ought to get the Nobel Peace Prize, but the Nobel Peace Prize is very political, and uh, he's not of the right party, so uh, he's not likely to get it. No, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you, Robert. Um, Robert, we always love having you with us. Um, Tell everybody where they can uh, contact you, get involved, buy your book, all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm at jihadwatch.org, which is a news and commentary site that uh, gives you information about jihad activity of all kinds in the U.S. and around the world, information that you're not going to get anywhere else. And uh, also at Jihad Watch RS on Twitter. And my uh, books are at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. If there are any actual bookstores out there still, they ought to be able to get them. Are you there? Yep. Can you not hear me? Okay. No. Yeah, say it again. You cut out for the last 10 seconds. What are you saying? Say oh, uh, just that uh, – is the books are at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and any book, real bookstores out there if there are any left. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, you're a very popular guy. I mean, you, you've written over 20 books in your life. Uh, you've done. You have a resume that is beyond profound and just it's it's beyond incredible. I mean, the life you've lived, man. Uh, it's it's just it's quite something. But uh, God bless you, sir. Uh, thank you for being with us. Uh, we will definitely have you back very soon, and um, I'm uh, I'm wishing you the best, man. Thanks, Rory. It's always a pleasure. Have a great evening. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Uh, I was- oh, Joe. Joe, are you there? Sorry, I was on. I was on mute. Sorry, hey, hey, I'm sorry. It sounded like you were muted or something. Yeah, I was muted for like two seconds. I don't know what happened to the mic. What, how you? How are you, buddy? Welcome to the show. Uh, doing great, man. Thanks for having me back. I really love the show, and I love listening to your uh, guests. Uh, I'm, I'm so thankful that you had George Santos on. Uh, as he mentioned, he is running as the Republican candidate in New York District Three. That's my district. That's where I live. It's very personal to me. Uh, and, you know, he's running against Tom Swazi, and it's so funny. A friend of mine asked me, because we knew Swazi from back in the day. Uh, he was a much different person back then. And, and he was asking me, he says, oh, is, uh, is Swazi running? So I said, no, he's actually jogging. He's really not doing much at all. Uh, Santos is crushing him. Uh, he's getting all the law enforcement endorsements. Uh, the people, are, I got to tell you, in New York, you'd be surprised. Everyone talks about what a liberal blue state we are. But in reality, the state, if you look at it county by county, I think we carried some 50 counties of the 62 counties for President Trump back in uh, 16. So, and with all the stuff going on here now, people are very angry. Now, in the beginning of all this shutdown and and then we got hit with George Floyd, there were some pro-police rallies, 50, 100 people. Now they're in the thousands. And what was happening early on is you would have the counter-protests of Black Lives Matter and these lunatics that are involved with Antifa and anarchists. They would be up on top of the pro-police rally and 
you know, assaulting, threatening, intimidating people, they don't even yeah. come out anymore because we are in the thousands, thousands of people. Speaking, they of, have these speaking of that, from, speaking of that, all the, all the, speaking of all the violence, did you see uh, after the Lakers game the other night, all the, all the people getting arrested, all, all the people just coming out and going nuts. I mean, and, and the Democrats are such hypocrites. They say law-abiding citizens, social distance. But when all these big crowds get together, you know, especially because the NBA, we know, supports Black Lives Matter, which is why this was enabled. But it, people were still getting arrested. But, I mean, there's no talk or, or, or condemning from the left ever uh, when these anarchists go out there. I mean, these people, they weren't just celebrating. I mean, some of these people were actually uh, breaking shit. Uh, down by Staples Center in L.A. I mean, you know, I mean, it's insane what this society has come to. It, and it's so bad because it's so uneven. The law is supposed to be equal blind justice, applied equally to everyone. But we see that, particularly in these Democratic jurisdictions, how, you know, they put their thumb on the scale and there are different rules for the, the uh, anti-police and the Black Lives Matter protesters. But when it comes to the, the pro-Trump or, uh, you know, pro-police rallies, they're, they're much stricter and they're, they're condemning people. They were arresting people who were supporting the police down at City Hall Park, right. arresting them right. just right. for congregating together. But when it came to Black Lives Matter, they were in, in the hundreds. And nobody would, would uh, dare arrest them. The, the degradation of our society. You know, I, when I ran for district attorney, one of the issues that we had last year was there was a very contested Democratic primary that involved a recount that came down to 55 votes. Now, Tiffany Caban was the Democratic socialist who was running against the Democratic establishment candidate. Melinda Katz, and Tiffany Caban won that primary. She won by 1,100 votes uh, when the votes were counted initially, but then they had this very mysterious recount, and they went. it got down to the affidavit ballots, which are not absentee ballots. Affidavit ballots are usually people who are newly registered, but when they show up at their polling site, their registration card is not in there. So they have to sign an affidavit and say that, yes, I did register, I did timely register, and they sign it and cast their vote. They threw out over 100 affidavit ballots. Now, an affidavit is you're swearing to the truth of something. Why couldn't they have allowed these people, only 100, come into court and swear to the truth of what they did. They did register and they did vote, but they didn't. And it was just so dirty. Now, me running as district attorney, I am so opposite of their policy. And Tiffany Caban and I are polar opposites. But me as district attorney, I said when I come into office, there is nothing more important than the integrity of our election, election process that even the appearance of impropriety must be investigated for the people to have confidence in our elections. Who knew last year that we were going to be in this situation? But that's what I'm talking about. I'm a Republican, and I'm supporting an investigation that would have probably vindicated the leftists. 
that's equal justice. It's not about outcome determinative. It's about or who the victim is. You apply the law equally, and that's being degraded in our society. We see that, too, in the Supreme Court. It's a shame. I'm watching these uh, the confirmation hearings, and I'm hearing these senators calling for an answer. How will you rule on certain issues? And that's how they're going to vote, not about the qualifications of the judge, but they're looking for outcome determinative. I will only vote for you if you vote according to my policy, and that's just outrageous. And speaking of that, Joe, not, not only are they, I mean, not only are they doing that, but they're getting personal. They're, they're trying to go after, yeah. they're trying to go after, and, and they're trying to go after her faith. And she's a Catholic just like me. She's a Catholic just like yeah. me. And I take, I take big offense to anybody talking bad about Catholics. I don't appreciate it. You know, I, 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 it, it makes me livid. Because if we said anything about, you know, Jews or Muslims, then all hell would break loose. It's a double standard. It's a big double standard. Because I've seen Catholics, the way on Washington, the way they treat some of these people, and there's been a lot of Catholics. I think Kavanaugh was a Catholic, too. Look at the way they treated him, you know, and, and Feinstein and all these different, you know, people from other religions to try to attack us. Like, what, what's that about? Who are you? It, it's horrible. It really is it's horrible. It's terrible. And they're talking about her family, trying to say that because she adopt she adopted some kids that they feel bad for the kids that she adopted and that they have to live with her. What what kind of what kind of awful statement is that to make about a mother who has a kind heart, a genuine soul, uh, a, a real talent, and just a love for life and humanity? You know. And the compassion, and you know, just it's disgusting to to try to impute some type of devious motive behind it, you know, and, and it's such a beautiful thing what they've done. Uh, God bless them with seven children. Uh, it, it, it's really amazing, but you're so right. The condemnation of her and her religious views, they constantly bring it up during these confirmation hearings, what her personal views are. And she says it over and over again. These are my yeah. personal views. And I will right. not use them when I'm uh, deciding cases as a judge. That's just not what we do. We take an oath to follow the Constitution, to follow the law, and that's what she'll do. That's the problem, though, with, with most conservative judges. Like, you really don't know where they're going to come down on cases because they're such, like, strict constructionists. They, will, they believe in... in, in uh, you know the, the jurisprudence of what the framers wanted and and the original intent and even not just the framers whenever congress enacts a law they look for the intent of the legislature they're not looking for what their policy outcome uh desires are they're looking you know to strictly construe what was happening and what was the issue that they were trying to remedy. And that's what you want judges to do. Right. And you want judicial restraint. Just decide yeah. the issue that is before you. Don't worry about the right. rest of it. It's not before you. That's for sure. our legislature. The legislature should be and was intended to be the most powerful branch of government. It's Article One. 
And that's because the people have the most influence on that because they're electing our legislatures. They represent us intimately in our our jurisdiction. And we send them off to Congress to enact laws. But now the Supreme Court has been perverted to be this super legislature now because we have judicial activism. And it's just wrong. And it's, 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 you know... Similar to what's happening here in in the executive branches where governors and mayors are are not applying the law equally it can't no there's no better example than Mayor de Blasio painting the Black Lives Matter on Fifth Avenue. I mean here you are you're just not even hiding your bias and here, you're and here's to another thing. people equally and joe and joe here here here's another thing I want to bring up and, and as a retired NYPD police officer, and as obviously a lawyer, you know, this whole gun control thing is ridiculous. You know, I just read a poll the other day, uh, and you've done work work with the FBI, but uh, the FBI came out with uh, statistics. More people have been killed with hands and fists than rifles in 2019. Yeah, I I don't doubt it, you know. I mean, uh, knives and... uh... You know, physical force. Uh, I, I don't doubt it at all. But you know, even today, like I'm glad you brought that up because even today, during the confirmation process, they were attacking her on her dissent opinion on this case, cancer that she wrote uh, a 37 page dissent. It's a uh, Second Amendment case, and then they were going into Heller and you know her views on that. Like they really do want to do away with the Second Amendment. And it's just shocking to hear it. You know, I, I, what, what kind of country will we have if they take the guns away? You know, like where, that's the only real threat we have, you know, to keep the government in check, that we could revolt, that we could rise up. You know, like looking right. at all these protests and everything happening now, when that, all that stuff hit, I was starting to be, you know, like the focal point. People were contacting me. Hey, Joe. We got to get together. I had so many uh, retired veterans uh, from the military, retired police officers, all contacting me and said, Joe, you say the word, you know, let's go out there. Because the police were being pulled back, resources were not being implemented, crime was out of control, riots, looting. It was disgusting. And without that way to personally defend yourself with a firearm, when, when the police clearly aren't doing it, uh, at the direction of our, our leftist governor and, and mayor, we have to have that ability to do so. And that's why I think, you know, this is so important that she gets on there because she is apparently from her writings uh, very supportive of the original intent of the Second Amendment for people to to have that right to bear arms. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, Joe Murray, stay with us. Uh, tell everybody where they can connect with you, though. Joe Murray Law on Twitter, and I got to tell you, I'm involved in this great platform. It's InsideBlue360.com. I'm sorry, it's run by uh, Ed Mullins, the president of the SBA, the Sergeants Benevolent Association. So you can hit me up over there, and of course on Facebook, Joe Murray. But thanks, Murray. Absolutely, man. I always love having you here. Um, I want to welcome to the show. I believe we have with us we have the executive director at Pro English. Uh, Steven Gustro. Um, Steven, what's up, buddy? Welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well, Rory. How are you? 
Uh, doing good, my friend. Uh, what's new? What's going on? What's the latest? What's the four one one? Give us the rundown. Well, let me tell you, I'm talking to you right here on Capitol Hill, and uh, as you can probably imagine, Washington is quite the crazy place to be right now in these final uh, few can, weeks before the imagine. election. I, mean, I was seeing. Oh yeah, man! I was seeing videos and stuff of protesters, and you know, just all the. I mean, it was you know there was some crazy stuff going on. But no, tell us about it. You're, you're there right now. What are you with? Yeah, I'm saying, I live and work right on Capitol Hill, just kind of right right between the White House and Capitol Hill, let's say. And so, um, you know, between the pandemic and protests and the presidential election and Trump being in and out of the hospital, Amy Coney Barrett, the hearings, lots of protests outside the Supreme Court and outside the Capitol these days. This is kind of ground zero of everything that's happening. Uh, well, really nationwide at this point. And so we're, you know, we're right in the mix of it. And so, you know, we're here on the Hill and even given all the challenges posed by the pandemic and shutting down Capitol Hill and the White House to, to most guests and visitors, but we're still in regular contact with many members of Congress in both the Senate and House to make a final push for the English Language Unity Act to try to be passed this year. And also at the White House for President Trump to try to sign an executive order to make English the official language of the USA. I don't know at this late date if you know these things are going to happen before the election. I would say that you know other issues are probably taking precedent right now in terms of things like COVID relief and the economy and other executive orders. But we're out there every day, basically meeting with folks and communication and trying to trying to get this done because it is part of the larger immigration issue across the USA. And so, you know, the way that the president has been messaging on immigration, um, this is definitely part of it. And I can tell you that we have had a recent victory um, wherein uh, the Department of Homeland Security and their offices are right across the street from ours. um, They have a public charge rule. What that means is that any immigrants that are applying to come to the USA illegally, the DHS, you know, they want to make sure that no immigrants coming to this nation are going to come here and have to rely on government welfare or public resources or public support as a way to make a living in this country. They want self-sufficient, self-reliant immigrants. And part of the test that they're using right now at DHS when looking at uh, immigrants to allow for permanent residency is their proficiency in English. And we've talked with different aides to President Trump and Vice President Pence about this, and that is part of the public charge rule. So now when DHS is looking at potentially giving a a legal immigrant uh, a visa to come and live in the USA, one of the things they're looking at is their proficiency in English. And it's very basic. I mean, it's very simple when you think about it. Someone that speaks English well, that's proficient in it, is going to have a much better opportunity at a better job, they're going to be able to make more money, they're going to be in a better position to support their family, they're not going to have to rely on public welfare, and, um, and that will save taxpayers money. Whereas someone that comes to this nation that doesn't speak any English, not a lick of it or very, very little, is going to have a much more difficult time trying to you know, make a job that has any sort of income attached to it, and they're going to be more likely than not to have to go on government welfare. And studies show that. That's not even just my opinion. I mean, DHS, in our conversations with them and with aides at the White House, has statistics that show that the, the less proficient you are in English, the less, like you are, less likely you are to make any sort of decent income and more likely you are to be on, uh, on government welfare. So that's a victory that uh, we've had recently. And uh, as we continue to try to get President Trump to sign a new executive order and 
continued to try to work with Congress to pass the English Language Unity Act. No, I love that. I love that. And, you know, you bring up something that is so important in terms of, you know, the U.S. being the, you know, English, English being the main, the main and only language. I, you know, I, I'm sick of how do we, how do we get rid of this, Stephen? I'm sick of going to a grocery store, I'm, and, and this is no offense to anybody, because to any, any, any culture, to any ethnicity, that I'm not taking any, any shots at anybody. But you don't go into other countries, and you don't see English writing on, on stuff. But here in America, you have all this Spanish writing, you have all this whatever, whatever else writing you may have. I, how do we just make it English? I mean, I think everybody that is here needs to needs to know and understand that's America's way. Just like when we go to another country, we have to respect their values and what they stand for, and we have to learn their language and we have to learn what what their traditions are. You know? Well, I agree with you 100. percent And I'll use myself as an example. I lived for seven years in South America, in uh, in Peru, and you know, when I was in Peru, where obviously Spanish is the official language. I spoke Spanish. I wasn't going into the supermarket or the cinema or the taxi or the mall or marketplace or wherever and pounding my fist and demanding that everyone translate everything for me into English. Spanish was their official language, and it doesn't matter if we're talking about a first world country, a third third world country or wherever, you have to respect the local culture and the local language. And, and let me add this, too, is – you know, in terms of us promoting English to be the official language of the USA, this is nothing that's yeah. mean-spirited or anti-immigrant or discriminatory, and I'll tell you why. Right now, 85%, 85% of United Nations member nations have an official language. So the United States is in the minority of United Nations member nations by not having an official language. So this is nothing odd or strange or mean-spirited. In addition to that, there are 54 countries around the world today, as we speak, that, has, that have English as an official language. 54 countries have English as an official language, but not the USA. Taiwan was the most recent one. At the beginning of 2019, the Taiwanese premier, and I don't remember his name right now, he said, we're making English an official language of Taiwan. Why, he said, because I want Taiwanese citizens to be able to succeed in business and commerce and finance internationally, because everyone knows that English is the official language of business and commerce and finance all around the world. And so this guy, the Taiwanese premier, he got it better than a lot of politicians do in the USA. And I'll give you one other example, something else that we're doing right now, that, and, and it's yeah. another success story in the making, is right now we're also working very closely with Representative Sam Graves, wonderful congressman from Missouri, um, about the U.S. Census. The U.S. Census right now has parts of the census and census materials that have been translated into 59 different languages beyond English, 59 different languages. Well, that's expensive. The U.S. taxpayers, you and me, U.S. taxpayers are picking up the tab for that. And so what we've done is that we have asked Sam Graves, and he has done it, to send a letter to the GAO demanding a report on the absolute top cost of translating into 59 different languages. That has to be tens of millions of dollars anyway, if not more. And so, so we're waiting on GAO to provide that report, and who knows when that's going to be. Um, but that's another thing. American citizens 
you know, deserve to know where their taxpayer dollars are going. And if the U.S. Census Bureau is translating U.S. Census materials into 59 non-English languages, that's a whopping, whopping cost, and we need to know exactly how much it is. That's insane. I mean, I, I, I mean, think about all the money that's being wasted right there. Think about how much of that is obviously involved with special interest money. I can't think of any any other reason. I mean, that, and I mean, these these politicians know what they're doing. They're they're, they're making some sort of deal because nobody in their right mind, if they were actually being perfectly honest with us and straightforward and working for we the people, would ever pull that kind of crap. Fifty-nine different languages. What the hell I'll, is going on? I'll give you another on? statistic. I'm here in the District of Columbia, the good old District of Columbia, and our election materials, ballots and ballot information material here in D.C. is in 40 yeah. different languages as well. So think about that as D.C. wants statehood. Forty different languages, ballots and ballot materials in D.C., and the census in 59 different non-English languages. Somebody's paying the cost, my friend. It's you and me. It's, it's insane, and it's disgusting, and you know what? The corruption never ends. I mean, that's why we call it a swamp. You know, I, I want to I shift gears a little bit. I want to ask you, you know, you've been involved with D.C. politics for a long time. Uh, you, know, you know the game very well, and you know how, how it's played. What, what do you make of the debate, debate being canceled on October 15th and this whole, you know, Scully leak uh, uh, no, well, not it wasn't a leak. I mean, he, he he did it. He claimed he was hacked and all that stuff. They canceled the debate. And why not just get new, a new moderator? You know why? We we know why because they, they don't want to put Joe up there again. Well, we you know we have lots of conversations with different you know members of the Trump administration just by virtue of what we're advocating for in terms of official English and the greater immigration issue. And so, of course, you know campaign related issues come up. And, um, and you're right, there are definite issues related to bias by the moderators. Saw that in both the debates, you know, featuring Trump and Pence. And in yeah. terms of, you know, trying to do a virtual debate, you know, by video or Zoom or whatever, that makes no sense. I mean, you know, how do you guarantee that the candidates are not using teleprompters and notes and everything else? Obviously, you know, it's right. been in the news a lot that Joe Biden uses teleprompters all the time. and even tells his aides to you know, to bring stuff up on the teleprompter if he can't see it. And so in that regard, you know, I don't, I don't even know if they will have another debate at all. Trump is healthy again. Um, like I said, I live fairly close to the White House, and I could see the helicopters, you know, when they took him from the White House over to Walter Reed and then when they brought him back. And, um, and I don't know that it even behooves him at this point to have any more debates unless somehow they knew that there was going to be you know, a more unbiased moderator um, to allow it to be more free flowing. And so but I, I just don't know that the debate, you know, commission is going to agree to that at this point. I mean, we're only a few weeks away from the, you know, from the election itself. And, you know, and so they would have to find, you know, venues, whether it's a new venue or not. And, um, and they get, the thing, the hardest thing is you've got to get both sides to agree on everything. So that's why, you know, when they first talked about a, um, a video-based debate, Trump said no right away, you know, and so, and if Trump says no, he's just not going to show up. They're not going to have a debate. And so I don't know if they're even going to have any more debates, frankly, between now and November 3rd or or not, but, you know, Trump is out there barnstorming around the country. And so it may be a better use of his time 
to do these different airport rallies that he's doing in all of the uh, swing states. No, I agree. I agree. Um, Steven, I, uh, I always love having you with us, man. Um, really, really always a, a pleasure. Um, tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can get involved, all that good stuff. Yeah, people can go to our website. It's proenglish.org. That's proenglish, all one word, dot O-R-G. I love it. I love it. And, and any upcoming projects, we, what, um, anything uh, you want to uh, Well, like I say, for us, it's, you're trying you to get to the announce? president to sign a new executive order to make English the official language of the USA and trying to get Congress to do it with the English Language Unity Act. And so, you know, we're going, you know, right up to November 3rd, and then we'll be doing it afterwards, and we'll be, you know, we're already strategizing about the new Congress, you know, that starts in January. So, you know, we're, we're not taking a breath here. We're just uh, going right down the track very quickly. Yeah, and I want to also bring something up to you, because you're, you're a guy of history. You know, you're, you're, before you go, you're a guy of history. You know, you know, you know a lot. You know, this whole Christopher Columbus uh you know, replacement with indigenous day or however the hell you pronounce it is absolutely ludicrous to me. I mean, it makes me sick to my stomach. I mean, if we really want to talk about facts, Christopher Columbus is perhaps the most important, significant individual to ever come to this country. Because if it wasn't for him, you and I would not be here. We wouldn't. It's very simple. He, I mean, the way he created America, the, what, what he did, you know, and they want to say, oh, we took their land. We won a war. And look at what, you know, this is another thing that bothers me. Look at all the money we give to the Indian reservation every year. And go to, go to a majority of Indian reservations around the, around the country, and they'll be run down poor. Where's all that billions of dollars going with a B? They're getting all that money, and, and, and they stay, they're still run down. And, and, you know, they want to say Christopher Columbus is racist. You, you, you stole from us. You know, you owe us all this stuff. They have their own set of rules. I'm just, it, it really, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me. You know what I mean? And the protest. Well, let me tell you something, the, Rory. The, the, I'm, I'm one quarter Italian on my mother's side. I grew up in Boston, very close to yeah, the north. I'm, I'm Italian, too. I'm partially Italian as well, so I, I, I can resonate. Yeah, and Go so, ahead, you know, I can tell you that, you know, there's a statue of Christopher Columbus in the north end in Boston. And there's a lot of Italians, you know, in and around Boston and in and around New York as well. Columbus yeah. Circle area yeah. that are a hundred percent opposed to, you know, tearing down statues and everything they're doing against Columbus. And so while it's easy for right. many on the left to say, let's get rid of Columbus, that's a bit of a bigger battle than they might think it would be. Even de Blasio, who's part of Italian, understands that. And so he may talk about trying to take down statues and whatnot, but he's kind of slow walking that because he knows that if you're part Italian, then you're like me. And you know that, you know, we don't take this sort of stuff sitting down all the time. And so that'll be a bigger battle than possibly anticipated by those in opposition. But does it blow your mind how D.C. DC and these politicians keep trying to change history? I mean, you know, Columbus Day was well celebrated for the longest time, and now it's looked at at by the left as racist. I mean, everything is racist to them. I mean, they, they never stop. It doesn't blow my mind, and I'll tell you why. Because, you know, having said, you know, I grew up in the Boston area, I can remember seeing this with regard to Thanksgiving and the Pilgrims going all the way back to the 1970s where there were, you know, protests against the Pilgrims and whatnot. And so, and today, you know, here in Washington, I mean, over the summertime when when there was all the rioting and they were trying to tear down statues of Andrew Jackson and 
and George Washington and Lincoln and everyone else. It's just, it's very sad. It's just trying to, you know, erase parts of U.S. history. Um, and we embrace history. You know, we, someone like Theodore Roosevelt is someone that we embrace because, you know, more than a hundred years ago, Roosevelt talked about immigrants and English and how if you come to this country, you know, legally, then yes, we accept you with open arms, but you need to learn the language and you need to speak English and there's no other language, only English. And now they're trying to tear down statues of Theodore Roosevelt in New York City. And so it's very sad. But it needs to be opposed very strongly. That's the thing, too. It really is. It really is sad. And uh, we just, all we can do is pray it gets better. But, uh, Stephen, always a pleasure having you with us, my friend. Let's get you back soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Rory. Always a pleasure. Absolutely, my friend. Um, I want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us right now. He's one of the big-time uh, guys of the walkaway movement. Uh, he was in D.C. this past weekend for the march. We have Stephen R- Raman. Raymond? Is it Raymond or Raman? How do I pronounce it? Raman. Not bad. Can you hear me? Okay. I want, to ma- I want to make sure I got it right. How you doing, buddy? Welcome to the show. What's going on? Hey, finally, man. We've been trying to do this for a while. Good to see you. Or hear you. <laughs> I, know, I know, man. I know you're, you're fir- your first time on. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I am with Brandon Strzok and the Walkaway Movement, not in any con- official capacity, but um, somehow um, I made I made a video about uh, about my journey, and it got popular overnight. And now I'm um, going around the country, and, and all those people who left the Democratic Party because they saw how the media lies and how liberals lie and all the woke ideology. I mean, all kinds of stuff. But um, it's been a great journey. But it's getting really hectic now, man. <laughs> Let me tell you, I cannot sleep. But I'm glad to hear from you. Yeah, it's good to hear from you too, buddy. And tell us about this whole, you know, you were there in D.C. this past week weekend. What was it like? Right. Oh, man. Um, so I was invited to uh, – help out Candace Owens, the famous uh, Candace Owens with um, Blexit, yeah. which is if yeah. for people who are, who might not be familiar, it's, it's, it's sort of like a play on Brexit, how uh, Britain left the European union. So Blexit is that black people are leaving the democratic party. So there were about 2000, more than 2000 of us from all over the country. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, Every race. It wasn't just black people. There were, there was black, Latino, Indians. I represent, I'm half black, half Indian, um, white people, a whole bunch of people that I knew. And uh, so we, we, we marched. Uh, first, we had a little rally with, um, um, let's see, uh, Brandon Tatum, Tatum and Larry Elder. And it was just a grand old time. And, you know, they were talking about um, everything that we believe in. There is such a, a, a as, as, as a black man, I hate talking about my race, but I have to talk about my race every election year. So I have to talk about it. And um, those of us who do not go with the mainstream media, who, who we are not, a, mo- a lot of us are not with Black Lives Matter. Believe me, we go straight up to them and we yell them down because we're the same as they are. But we're really underrepresented. So it was really nice for us to be in D.C. Um, let me get to it. Candace spoke. She's showing, she's pregnant, she's beautiful. Um, then we marched over, listen to this, Rory. We marched over into the White House. We'll leave it there for a second. 
<laughs> I can assure you with, with, with great confidence and I can assure you with great tenacity and with great truth that Donald Trump is indeed orange. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, 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 some, something, something special about that tan. I like that tan. <laughs> it's him. He came out. He was him. His hands were big. He just spoke to us. We, we loved on him for – we didn't even let him talk for a few minutes. We were just so excited for him to come out because um, – he was, he was up there on the balcony. We were out on, on the lawn. But when he came out, remember, he had just recovered from COVID. A lot of, a lot of us yeah. were at the hospital where he, that was his first time speaking, and he was dynamic, and there was an energy there. I highly encourage anyone who hasn't gone to a Trump rally yet just to find a way to go. We don't have that much time, but just go, and you'll see why everybody loves them. If you're undecided, if you're undecided and you just go. Just go to a rally. Just sit there. You don't have to talk to anybody. Just just go and sit there and have some soda or something, and and you'll get it. You should be surrounded by all the love. But DC was 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 a quite quite a life changing experience. And in fact, um, a lot of the people that um, I know on social media, I met for the first time because we're around the world and, and around America. So um, it was nice. It was nice to see everyone. I kind of thought you would be there, Rory. I, I, you know, I, I was thinking about it. I, you know, I, I'm there quite a bit. I'm in D.C. probably, you know, I try to get there three to four times a year. But, um, you know, there there's some events that I'll definitely be attending uh, coming up probably in the next couple of months. We'll see, though. Um, but I know you, man, I mean, look at what you've been doing. I mean, you know, uh, one day you were just, uh, you know, just a guy and made a video. And now you're on the journey with uh, Brandon Strzok and, all these different great people like Candace Owens and, you know, you're, you're helping mm-hmm. so many different voters and, and, and you're changing the system for the better. You know, you're, you're really um, utilizing your voice, man, in such a strong, uh, strong manner. And, and, and it's really beautiful to watch. And it must be cool. And it must be cool too. It must be like, you know, just going from, you know, having that regular, you know, just, you know, home life, and now you're on the road. Now you get to go out, and you're doing all this activist stuff. I mean, it changed changed your life. Yeah, it changed. It changed. It changed everything, brother. I'm afraid to go back to my job. I'll tell you the truth, because I'm a teacher. I mean, my part of my walk away story is that I was fired for going against all this um, anti-white rhetoric that's in my school. I was holding my students accountable for being late and, you know, they would blame white people for their being late and it would be okay. The principal had, would let them go. And I, I, I just didn't. So they became the most high, high performing students in my school district period. And I got fired for that. And that's a thing that you should hear a lot, especially now that Trump is going to talk about school choice, which I fully support. You're going to hear a lot of teachers and a lot of people in the public industries saying that if they said anything untoward the woke ideology or the, or the, or the left, if they said anything, if they even asked questions, they mysteriously, quite mysteriously within that year, lost their job. So that's something that's... Um, I really think that, that Trump is onto something when he's going for school choice because that's um, I'm I'm an advocate for for education, and um, I I don't know school should be fun it shouldn't be something that that's in the way of of anything else it should be fun, and um, there are millions and millions and millions of kids 
who are waiting up to be in charter schools, in private schools, millions of them. And the public school yep. system is trying to fight against that because you see that that school system is a huge indoctrination camp. I mean, I tell you, my, I, one of my colleagues, we started at the same time, we would have these conversations, we would have to have these conversations after school about race and all of these things. And my friend who happens to be white, looks exactly like Wolverine, was not allowed to say anything at all, ever. I wanted to ask him questions, but he was shut down immediately. And I don't think that's fair. I just don't think that's fair. I don't know if anybody who would think that's fair unless they had some kind of agenda to go on. So um, really, really consider, again, if you're really, if you're listening and you're undecided, go to a rally. There are good things happening. He's not racist. Trump isn't racist. That's dumb. Most of us knew about Trump before, why am I talking about Trump? Before he even got into office. We knew him for years. Tell me of one rap song about Joe Biden. There are about 120 rap songs for Donald Trump before he got into office. Are you kidding me? Go ahead. Sorry. And, and, you, and you, bring up the, you bring up the great point, you know, all these celebrities and all these different big-name people loved him before he ever ran. And once he ran, all of, a, all of a sudden he became president and he's deemed as a racist. I mean, it makes no sense. I mean, they all praised him. All the black community, you're right. He was in rap songs. He was getting awards from Jesse Jackson, he, you know, from all these different people like Al Sharpton. I mean, he was loved by the black community. I mean, they looked at him like a hero. And, you know, uh, uh, who else? Rosa Parks, a bunch of, bunch of photos with him. I mean, a, a bunch of photos oh, yeah. with, uh, of him and her, of him, of him and her together. I mean, him with all pictured with all these black athletes, black rappers, you name it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you talk mm-hmm. about the education system. You bring up a really good point. You know, that, that's, a dang, that's dangerous territory. I mean, people are, we live in a society now where people can't say at their job or they can't speak about what they believe in, or, you know, or they'll get fired. You know, they, they have to stay silent. As, oh, but if you're a liberal, it's totally okay. You can say all day long what, what you want. But it's like it's such a double standard. It's so one-sided. I mean, what happened to having differences of opinion in society? What happened to civil discourse? I mean, these, these radical leftist in, institutions, which a lot, a lot of these corporations are, same with same with the education system, a lot of these schools, dirty epidemic, and it just keeps getting worse and worse. Um, and it's, you know, it, you are it's absolutely really, right. In fact, what we're seeing now is all of those years of indoctrination, of that hatred, of that Marxism, of that communism is going out there and we're hearing about it. In yep. Portland, they're still rioting in Portland, thinking they're going to have a revolution. They're really trying to bring all this yeah. Russia stuff in. They're trying to say Antifa. I was at the, when you and I were supposed to talk the first time, it didn't work out. But that was when I went to Chaz and found out what was going on in Chaz. Yeah. There was a and, and you lot of, of, there is just yeah, the Yeah, you know I'm from, the you, you know I'm from Seattle, mm-hmm. and, and you know I was born and raised there. Obviously, I haven't lived there in like 10 years. But, um, oh, you know, the, the whole Chaz thing was only, you know, was only a few blocks from where I grew up. I mean, I grew up on Capitol Hill. And Capitol Hill is a very well-known, nice area, and these liberals are, are just destroying it. I mean, it's, it's very, very sad. And for anybody that doesn't know, Capitol Hill is pretty much about 10 minutes from downtown. Capitol Hill is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of cool nightlife stuff there, um, a lot Beautiful. of cool buildings. 
lot of, lot of cool houses. I mean, there's a lot to do there. I mean, it's just, it's just dirty. I mean, I don't recognize it. I, I, the last time I was there was uh, December. I went there for my, uh, actually January, my grandfather's funeral. And it looked like a third world country. I mean, tents everywhere, poop on the sidewalk, needles, uh, just the, the crime. I mean, the homeless, yeah, I could go on and on. I mean, it looks like every other liberal city, like New York, like Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what the, all mm-hmm. these places have in common. They're all run down. They're all run by liberals. L.A., San Francisco, I mean, Detroit. I mean, I, I keep asking people, why don't you tell me one city that is run by a Republican that is run down and looks like that? You can't. You can't name one. And you know what? I'm not even being biased there. And you know what? I, I'm, no. And everybody knows this. I'm running for Congress in, in 2022, and I will win, and I will change the system. I am not going in there to become financially wealthy like, like 99% of, of, of them. I'm going in there funding my own, my own campaign. I already have enough money. I'm going in there. I, want, I really want to you know, just, just recreate and, and put back uh, our, our, our American values, our signature traditions, I mean, what this country was built upon, everything in the Constitution. And I want to go after these politicians face-to-face when I'm elected, and I want to expose all their bullshit. They're not going to compromise me. They, what are they going to do? I mean, they, they can't do And if they do, I'll, just, I'll secretly record them. I mean, I'll get these people. I will. If I get elected, I will be their worst nightmare. I mean, I am so – whatever I do in life, I win. I succeed. Because I'm extremely Good. persistent, I'm extremely passionate, I'm extremely motivated, I'm extremely determined, and I will, you know, with all due respect, I will shit down somebody's neck to get what I want, gets me across <laughs> the finish line. But go ahead, sorry. But, uh, but we, I, I went on that rant just now, but we, we need to change the system, man. It's, it's messed up. You're right. I'm right there. I'm right there with you. And you know what? The support is growing every day. Remember, there and is such a thing like as an unsilent majority. We're going to what go to that voting run? booth. We're going to, we're going to battle, and, and you're going to have a lot of support. In fact, if you want me to sing for you before a convention or something, just let me know. I'll probably be running for Congress with you on behalf of California. <laughs> Dude, I mean, Stephen, Stephen, everybody, I encourage, and I'm encouraged, and, and Stephen, this is the truth. I'm encouraging every outsider right now. With, with, with minds and brains and knowledge like you and I to run just, just as many outsiders because it will – I've said on my show many times, the day of the politician is very limited. The outsider is more popular than ever. And once you keep flooding uh, the, you know, the run, the, 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 these races with outsiders, eventually it's going to be all outsiders. And then I think we can get rid of this swamp and get rid of this whole political you know, uh, toxic environment. I think there's ways that we can change this. But it's, we have to do it all together, and I'm just—I love how Trump opened this door. He created this whole narrative and this magical route and, and road for people uh, yep. from business backgrounds and all sorts of backgrounds to, um, you know, go 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 for it, go for it, go run. Because back in the old days, the norm was we we all we knew was politicians. We didn't really have the outsiders, so. This is really a breath of fresh air. You know what I mean? Yes, I know what you mean, and it's really needed. But what you're, if you go and you run, run for something local. Run for the Board of Education. Just run for something local. Don't be afraid. You'll get that support. You just have to know what you want to say, and you'll find the residual effects after a couple of years. 
people will be happier because you've seen through all the bull of the last few years. You've seen through all of it, and you'll be able to recognize it because you're yeah, paying attention. You're right. You're right, Stephen. Anyone out there, anyone out there, just run for anything. It does not matter. Anyone. Run for anything. Run, run, run. And don't be scared. Don't be scared. These politicians are wimps. They're weasels. They got nothing on us. They got That's nothing. Right. They're puppets. They sit, they sit in the mirror all day and practice what they're going to say. I'm just going to go out on the stage and say what I say from my heart because I'm a master at improvising. I can elaborate. I can carry on dialogue all day. I can give three-hour speeches. I can do the radio for three hours. Why can't I give three-hour speeches? There's no paper in front of me. There's nothing telling me what to read. I don't have a teleprompter. It's me. It's Rory. This is who I am. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> um, but Steve, Get it, Rory. Uh, <laughs> stay with us, though, Stephen. i got to take a quick commercial break. And, Stephen, tell everybody where they can connect with you and where they can find you. All right, you can find me on Facebook, on The Public Figure. I am the cuter conservative cousin because I'm, I don't quite fit in, but I'm definitely family. The cuter conservative cousin on Twitter. I am Stephen underscore Raman. That's Stephen underscore Raman. And on Instagram, I'm Stephen Raman. Easiest one might be Instagram, just Stephen Raman. I love you all. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I love, man. We love having you on. Let's get you back very soon. Talk soon and stay with us if you can. We'll be right back, everybody. Beautiful night here on the Rory Sutter Show. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday's, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for Daily Use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial.
packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 25 countries on 70 online platforms. Again, that's 25 countries, 70 online platforms. Everybody, it's a beautiful night. Um, coming to you live from Palm Springs, California. Uh, I want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us right now. Uh, we have pastor and doctor Rodney Evans. Rodney, how are you, my friend? Hey, friend. I'm doing good. Hopefully you are. Thanks, Can you man. hear me? What's going on? What's new? Uh, well, first, I just want to say this. Uh, I very much enjoyed hearing you talk about your dad. I hate that he had passed away, but I will say this. I believe if he was alive today, he would tell you that he was very proud of you. Thank and you. I just felt like I needed to share that with you real quick. Uh, Thank you. Well, Appreciate there's that. a couple ways we can go. Uh, I'm going to talk about all of them very quickly. I think the hearings that's going on with the judge is going very well. Uh, but what I'm hearing from the Democrats is some things that Trump was put in office for. Number one is they're, they're concerned about abortion. That's the reason they put Trump in, because they wanted to make sure they had good Supreme Court picks, and he's doing that. Second, Obamacare. Obamacare, I, I haven't talked to one person that likes Obamacare. Personally, myself, I've got $1,000 medical bills because I had to have emergency surgery at Christmas time last year. And because of Obamacare, my deductible is so high that I've got to pay that down. And then the third thing is they want to take your guns. And there's always a reason people want to take your guns is so they can control you. So that's what I'm, I'm hearing there. Those are three things that Trump won on. So I, I, don't, I don't think they realize that's not going to help them at all. Those three things they're talking about is going to hurt them. It's not going to help them. So more they talk, I personally think it's a good advertisement for President Trump. The other things that I want to bring up real quick, you had a, a guy that was on our earlier, and he was talking about uh, a couple things about Biden. And Biden was asked yeah. a question, and if these figures are, 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 are good, I don't think Democrats have a chance anywhere. But Biden was asked because Trump had a 56 – 56% of the people – in America, say they are better off right now under Trump than they were under Obama. And they asked, yep. they asked Biden, said, why should they vote for you? He said, well, if they think that, they probably shouldn't. And then he goes on and says, well, their memory is not that good, quite frankly, if they think they're better off today. 
that's just as bad as almost calling us deplorables. There he's saying that our memory is not that good. The second thing is, or another thing, I don't I'm going on another one. I don't know if you saw the, the data that they collected at the rally yesterday in tech in Florida. They had fifteen thousand eight hundred and fifty two voters identified. Thirty one point eight were not Republicans. Sixteen point three were Democrats. 24.4 did not vote in 2016. 14.4 did not vote in the last four elections. If those numbers are true, you know the polls are way off. We're looking at people that are going – go ahead. Right, and just like like I mentioned earlier in the show, Rodney, I mean this this same time in 2016 – uh, you know, during this October time, uh, mm-hmm. Hillary was leading. Hillary was leading double digits, just like Biden is now. I mean, yes. as far as I'm concerned, the polls are useless. They are, and they're all they're all they're there to do is just suppress the vote. Most definitely, but if you look at these numbers, I mean, look at the people that's coming to his rallies that didn't vote, didn't vote in 2016, not voted in four years. Are Democrats, yep, uh, and not Republicans, which means they're probably more independents. I mean, if these numbers are right and they're coming, and I watched that rally, I've watched the last two rallies. I thought the last two rallies have been awesome. I mean, I think they've been some of the two, two of the best that Trump's done in a long time. And yeah, and he's med- he's medication, he's medication free. He feels great. I mean, the guy, yes. the guy feels like Superman. <laughs> Did you see him dancing around yesterday? And, and, and I thought look, that was funny. And look, yeah, yeah. And look at look at how he recovered. I mean, look at look at gut, like look at Christie. I mean, Christie probably eats about ten happy meals a day, and he still came uh-huh. out of it okay. C- C- Governor Christie. I mean, I like Governor Christie. I was making a joke, but he eats a lot. I mean, the guy is, is, yeah. is very you know he's a he's a very big guy, and he beat it no problem. If he can do it, if Trump can do it. Anybody can do it, as long as they don't have well, pre-existing conditions, obviously. I mean, then that's where the problem comes into play. But, I mean, the survival yeah. rate, um, you know, it, it's like 99% if you're, if you're a healthy person. And look at Sweden. They never even shut down. I mean, they're the only normal, insane country at this point. I mean, we, we've gone crazy. So has everybody else with all this paranoia and everybody acting like zombies out there. Well, look what Trump said in the last two uh, rallies. What he took, he wants to make sure that you can get it. It's not something he says, I'm privileged, this is just for me. He, if this gets all approved, everything he's taken, he, he has taken, he wants to make sure that everybody that's going through to get, can get it, which you know speaks right. volumes of him. But I thought he looked really good the last two nights, last night and the night. Right. And and and, and think of, oh, no, now he's going, sorry. No, I said I think you know I think he looks good, and now he's saying he's picking up, uh, going out on on the campaign. He's going to start doing two. Then I heard he, before election he might be up doing close to six a day. That he's really going to speed it up here in the next uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and um, you know we we see how the math the math thing was such a sham. I mean, Florida got rid of the mask mandate, and there's no spikes. They're, they're, they haven't they haven't seen any issues. 
I mean, you know, it, it really – and look at all the small businesses, Rodney, that suffered. Look at – I mean, your church couldn't even open. I mean, look at everybody, what they, ha- what yeah. they had to endure for, for a scamdemic. I call it the scamdemic. I mean, this, we could have we protected the vulnerable. We could have protected the people with preexisting conditions, and we could have let yes. healthy people go about their daily life. Yeah, they should. They should have been. Uh, uh, you know, the people that we know that would be vulnerable. You know, like my dad and other people that are older. They should be protected. They should, you know, be watched. Right. Other people that don't have that, especially your younger people, they should be able to go about their their day. I mean, we're not completely open up here in North Carolina. Um, I, you know, listen. I know other states, California, other places are not, but a lot of us are Democrat run. Uh, when I say run, the governor is Democrat. Everybody else yeah. in our state's pretty much Republican. I've got a, a a couple other things here, real quick. I um I went camping this past. Well, I went and done a wedding this past weekend in Knoxville, Tennessee, and um, yeah, we took our camper and we just camped out while we did it. I went over to this guy. Nice. He's from Florida. I went over to I went yeah. over to this guy from Florida. I had to borrow something off of him, and he said, "Well, you can borrow." He said, "But one thing," he said. You got to promise me you'll vote for Trump. I said I'm voting for Trump, and so we sat and we talked. And he was from Florida, and he said, "I'm telling you something." He said, "Don't believe anything you hear from the polls." I said, "Well, I agree with you on that." He said, "A lot of Spanish people hold who they're going to vote to themselves. They don't show it, they don't don't, don't express it in any way." He said, "But something's different this year." He said, "In Florida, if you drive around and you go through the Spanish communities." He said, all you see is Trump stuff, and not only around their house. They have them on their cars. He said, so Trump's going to do really good in Florida. Yeah, and I agree. Another, and I, just, I, just, I just saw some new polls. He's leading now in Florida. He's leading in Ohio. And he's leading in North Carolina, which are three pivotal states. I just saw some new polls. But go ahead. You were going to say something. Well, no, I was just going to say I put out uh, on Twitter this week, and, and I really believe this. I, uh, I said, Christians, I said, if you don't think that if Biden gets in that it will not affect the church, you're very naive. Because this is my personal belief because how the Democrats have acted over everything else. I believe if Biden would win and they would take the Senate and the House, you would see laws – and things come out against the church that will begin to limit the church on what they can preach and what they can share, right. or they would be penalized in some way. I personally believe that you're going to see even a bigger vote from the Christians and uh, church, and even you know other other nationalities, other religions, not just you know as a Christian as I am. For this reason, Trump has kept his word. Yes, Trump has kept. He has. He's kept his word to me as a Christian. I mean, he would do last election. Yep. He either has done it, or he's done his best, and but he didn't have exactly. help to complete it. it. It's so true. It's so true. And um, uh, Pastor, I always love having you with us. Um, tell everybody oh, where they can connect and, and stay stay with us for the rest of the show. We got we got some more guests to get to, but. Tell everybody where they can oh, connect with you and follow you, all that good stuff. Well, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Rodney Evans. 
You can also follow my ministry at rodneyemmonsministries.org. There's a place over to give. We take no salary right now for our personal ministry. We use that to help other ministers and help other people. And for ministry purposes, we, we don't take any money from that. So those are two places at uh, rodneyemmonsministries.org. You can uh, listen to our podcast. You can listen to, you can go over to the YouTube, also connect to our Facebook, everything in one location there so you can check that out. Sounds good, my friend. Sounds good. Stay with us. Um, I want to go Thank to a good. Fr- I want to go to a good friend of mine, uh, and uh, he's a good. He's a good value to the show. Uh, we're praying for him. He was in a bad car accident last week. Equintal Middle Middleton, political activist. Dude, I'm glad you're okay, man. I saw the car, man. God damn. I mean, thank God. Praise the Lord. Are you there? Equital. Hello? Hello? Yeah, you there, buddy? Yeah, I'm here, man. I'm resilient. I made it, man. I made it. Dude, God is good, man. I mean, you're, I mean, I can't even believe it, man. I saw that the way it was totaled, wasn't it? Totaled, um blindsided me, you know, he's a he's a T bone. I didn't I didn't even hear any tires screeching man. Just straight this guy was just flying straight through. Young kid, twenty years old. He had two other buddies in the car and uh me and my lady man was just coming back from a cool night and bam, you know, ran straight through the stop sign. And guess what? The police that arrived here in Nassau County, like the gentleman said the police were very, very courteous, man. They arrived within, I would say, less than five minutes. And, uh, you know, you had some kids that uh, the car didn't smell you're like cut, uh, roses. You're cutting out a little bit. The car that they were driving, the young men that were driving better. the car. Much better now. Yeah. You know, the, the police were very, very nice. And it just goes to show you that when they try to de- demonize the police, uh, that's just a narrative that they're trying to a narrative narrative that they're trying to create. If you talk to the police, I think ninety nine percent of the time, if you talk to them with respect, no matter how you look, no matter what your color is, you're gonna get that respect right back. You know, um, and like I said, there were three young boys. They didn't like. They didn't look like they were coming from Sunday school. It didn't smell like they were coming from Sunday school. But the cops did not treat them or me in any way different. You know, they made us all feel comfortable. They were respectable. Um, and it just really showed, you know, that defunding the police, demonizing police is not going to do any good to the community. Um, they were great. You know, I was glad they were there. I was confident. And guess what? I didn't care how, what color they were at the point either. When you need help and you're shaking up like that, like I was near death, me and my lady, Racism goes out the door. You don't care if they're black or white. All you know is that you're you're shaking up and you need uh, you need hatred, and that's how silly racism is, you know. No, I hear you. No, absolutely, absolutely. And you know what's going on in NYC? Give us kind of the rundown of the climate lately. I know you're I know you're over there, and you know you you grew up in the rough parts. You know you know what it's like, and you're doing a lot for the black community. You're trying to convince people. We got a very important election coming up. Yeah, I grew up, you know, I grew up really rough. And uh, I think in the last show, I didn't even get to answer your question. You asked me, um, how do I go about still maintaining respect? You know, as a Republican in the hood, I'm probably the only Republican on the block. Uh, You know, 
I have friends that are, of course, you know, all my friends on the block are, um, you know, Democrat. And, uh, you know, none of us look like the type of people that you want to run into on, on a, you know, in the dark alley. You know, if you know what I mean. I'm 180, 185 pounds, uh, and I'm, I'm a little built. And like I said, I, I propose uh, kind of a threat to a lot of people until they hear me speak and see my smile. But the way I maintain friendship with, you know, my friends and other people who, you know, may not know me, you know, I can strike up a conversation anywhere. And uh, sometimes I jump into some of them, people who are just bashing Trump. I've learned, um, and this is this follows me throughout my my uh, experience with apologetics. I learned to ask more questions than give answers. Uh, when you ask them, and you know they're just bashing away at Trump, you know they're Democrat and Trump is a racist. You ask them in a nice, calm, you know, a nice, calm voice, respectable. You know, you can smile, and you know they could be saying the most terrible things about you and Trump. And I ask them more questions than answers, and then you find out after a while, you ask them more questions than you give answers, they don't have the answer to the questions. And then most of the time, you'll grab the person that's listening. You may not grab the person that you're debating with, but you'll grab the person that's listening because they look stupid. <laughs> around. You know, they look the person that's just observing and may just want to be informed, so... Uh, I asked him questions. Jesus did the same thing. They asked Jesus questions when they were trying to corner him, and those questions were loaded, just like the questions that they were asking uh, Trump. Uh, but you got to determine what the question assumes. There's normally a, an assumption that's in that question. And uh, I asked him questions like, okay, you, you know, I understand. You feel that Trump is a racist. Why do you say that? And then that kind of, you know, oh, man, come on. <laughs> you know. You raise your hand and say, no, tell me. I'm, I'm willing. You know, you know what? Send me a link. You know, send me something. No facts. And, uh, no normally facts. Not, like, oh, man. Uh, oh, man. Nothing. I just believe everything I hear, man. I just, believe exactly. what, I just believe what other – you know what I mean? They don't do their own research. They don't do any research. They just – they're more comfortable believing what the rest of the hood believes. And uh, when they don't know why they believe what they believe, that doesn't look too good. And like I said, most of the time, I'm talking to somebody who's already committed, at least in front of everybody else, to just being a Trump hater, just being a Democrat, just being a you know a Black Lives Matter uh, movement supporter, and uh, they're committed. But that person that's listening, you know, that's the person that will just sit and just nod and you know not say much. But they'll go home, and they may do some research and they're scratching their heads. But they, you know, they it's a seed that's been planted, and I think. That uh, the community is waking up. That's what's going on in my life. I think I think I really think they're they're waking up. Most of the time they ask Jesus questions. Jesus answered that question with a question, and uh, that's what you got to do with ask- some of these Trump bastards because they really don't know what the hell they're talking about. And what what made you wake up? I mean, what what was like your awakening? Like what? Because you know you're 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 going around. You're trying to get other people to wake up. But how did you? I mean, I assume you did your own research, and one day you were just like, like I want I want to see for myself. I mean, that that was probably your persona, right? You know what? I was taught just like most of the other people in my hood to be a Democrat because you're black, and that's how I came up. Um, one of the other speakers that you had here on the show was talking about you know welfare, and um, you know in the hood we. 
we learned how we were more skilled in how to stay on welfare than to, uh, you know, to learn a trade and get a job. And we were, we were committed to staying on welfare so that we can be taken care of by the government. But um, what really made me wake up was obviously um, my, you know, my accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in 1996. And then once I realized that the things that Trump stands for uh, are mainly the things that God stands for, which is pro-life, uh, pro, uh, pro-biblical marriage, and pro-Israel, the things that, you know, and then when I compare that to Obama, uh, everything else went out the door. And I remember, you know, one of my churches that I used to attend, uh, I used to attend the church, and when Obama was elected president, you know, the church was going crazy that, that night. We just happened to be at church when they, you know, they totaled up the final numbers, and uh, Obama was elected, and they were jumping around, and they were going crazy in the church, you know, laughing, and, and they was playing the music, and I didn't, I couldn't do it because there was something in my conscience that said, this guy does not, you know, he's a he's a pro-choice, and God's not pro-choice. So why are we dancing and shouting over something that God is not dancing and shouting about? God is God is not pleased. So it was really not. I'm not a politician. I'm not. You know, I, I really you probably ask me five questions and you have me stuck. But uh, it's my allegiance to Jesus Christ and the Christian faith that really causes me to. Uh, align myself with uh, Trump as a Republican and a Republic, being a Republican myself, believe it or not. So it's like uh, yeah. I can't see how any Christian would vote Democrat. Amen. Amen. I agree. I agree. And, I'm, and I'm I, know, I know you're doing – that's coming from the hood. No, I know. I, I know. I, and I know you're doing all your daily videos. Uh, Quint's advice, everybody, you can find that. Uh, he's on YouTube. He's on Facebook. Uh, he's making a huge difference. Um, he's a great friend of the show. Um, Quint, let's get you back um, either either Thursday or, or, or next week, but let's talk a lot more. Um, I want to I wanna get to uh, – and, and, and people can find you on, on Facebook, everywhere. I mean, they just need to search your, search your name. Quint's advice, just Search right? the name. Quint Middleton. Yeah, Quint Middleton or like you posted, or Quint's advice, Q-U-I-N-T-S advice. You can follow me on Quint's advice on Facebook. Thanks, Roy. Shout out to your dad, too, man. He did a great job. Thank you, man. Well, God bless you. I, we always love having you on. Uh, I want to give the um, – I want to go to crime expert and best-selling author, Carlos Duty. Carlos, my buddy, go ahead. Probably a lot on your mind. Hey. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. Listen, this, this news broke about a day ago. It's the true story of the murders of SEAL Team 6 and Osama bin Laden. And it's coming yep. to light. And, and it could take a lot of people down. You kind of caught your other guests uh, off balance a little bit when you brought this up. But there are signed documents, there are videos, photos, and a multitude of other evidence that are said to be clearly incriminating to Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, and John Brennan. And this was all according to uh, Next News Network, which is watched by 1.76 million people. Uh, the the uh, whistleblower was a CIA agent, Alan Harold Perot. Uh, he talked live with Gary Franchi on Next News Network. Excuse me. Um, 
Perot is an expert on the Middle East, and he has lived there for over 20 years. So this guy knows what he's talking about. And he also spoke with Tyrone Woods' father, Charles Woods. Now, Tyrone was a sniper on SEAL Team 6 and was on the roof when the alleged raid occurred. And I say alleged because Bin Laden wasn't there. And uh, according to all the reports, all the documents were released to a member, a trusted member of Congress, and they're all going to be made public soon. They are undeniable. A high-ranking general has reviewed all the evidence, and he said it cannot be disputed. The voices on the tapes, the signatures of the documents and photos will make it noticeably clear who was saying what and who did what. Now, our dear Hillary, or Hillary, as some people choose to refer to her, she ordered the hit on Bin Laden, and she wanted to help secure Obama's reelection. But what she didn't tell Obama, that the hit was off the ground until he couldn't call it off. And you know where he was. He was, he was uh, playing through on 18 holes. Uh, now, this is where Iran comes into play. Iran moved Bin Laden to Pakistan to hide him. But before the raid, they were notified, and they moved him back to Iran. This was a double-cross all the way around. And Perot said a double agent provided fake DNA to the station chief, the CIA station chief, in Abbottabad, Pakistan. And SEAL Team 6 and Obama were only told after everything got off the ground. Hillary Clinton and Leanne Panetta threatened Obama that if he said anything, they would go to the press killing Obama's chances for a second term. Now, now this is pretty serious stuff. So the SEAL Team 6, they went in, they did the raid, but they killed the decoy, and they were told to throw the remains of their bodies over the mountains. There was no burial at sea, nor was there any DNA of the real Bin Laden. Uh, the religion of Islam forbids burial in water. So all that crap we saw in the news with the, the body getting pushed over the edge of the boat uh, is fake. The body must be buried with their head facing Mecca. So that just didn't happen. And John, told, John Brennan told everybody to lie about it. Then I ran blackmails the United States for $152 billion. That was the money that was stacked up on the pallets, and Obama put it in a plane and sent it over there, or, they, or Iran was going to tell the real story. $2 billion was sent back to the United States for bribes to certain high-ranking officials. And the McCain Foundation is also mixed up in this. And as the days pass, I am sure we are going to find out what is really going to happen. Now, how do we know all this? Everybody's got to ask that question. Reporter, reporter Anna Craig saw all the evidence. There were thousands of pages of documents and recordings now safely, like I said, in a trusted member of Congress's hand. Anna also stated that the Stinger missiles that killed SEAL Team 6 were sent from Libya to Syria to take out SEAL Team 6. Uh, so their part uh, in, was uh, covered up. They were executed. They were executed by our own people. 
Now, all this information has gone viral over the last day or so, but the mainstream media is not going to report. Hillary, Obama, Biden, and Brennan didn't think Trump was going to get elected. Uh, you know, we know that. We know they, they thought that Queen Hillary was going to reign right. for eight years. But now they're fearing they're going to have their behinds exposed. They had their hands in every accusation against Trump, including the so-called dossier, the pandemic, and the economic crash. Uh, and what we thought of as a trophy for Obama is now an albatross around the necks of the people that I just mentioned, Hillary, Obama, Biden. Now, now let's see where all this goes, and, it, and if it, and they get tried for treason. I have a feeling this isn't going to get swept under the rug, Rory, and could shatter what little is left of Biden's run. Imagine all of them in orange jumpsuits and, and sitting out in Gitmo. I, I mean, imagine Biden uh, having the cuffs put on him the day before the election. I, I mean, this just can't get any better. Uh, there's, there's been numerous uh, videos out about this. Charles Strange, uh, he, he's a, he was the father of uh, Michael Strange, who was part of SEAL Team 6, and he was killed too. Uh, I mean, yeah. Anna Crate, uh, her last name is spelled K-H-A-I-T, and she's an insane. Had, uh, yeah, it's an insane, it's an insane story. Yeah, I mean, there's, she's got several videos up. And, and I'm telling you, this is going to blow up in the face of all these people that were mentioned in this report. Uh, there, yeah. There's too many verifications. There's too much paperwork. Too many people talking at recorded lines. And you know something? I, I'm not sorry to see it happen. I hope they all go down. Uh, you, you know, those guys in SEAL Team 6 got set up big time. They had to keep yeah. their mouth shut. And this was everything SEAL Team 6, the military, all these guys, I mean, they're honorable guys. This goes against everything they have ever been taught or trained for. And then they got off, but like some garbage uh, sitting on a Los Angeles street corner. Uh, They were hung out to dry. Uh, These guys were murdered by our own government, just like the four people got murdered over in Benghazi. It's a it's a very oh. a very dirty yeah. I mean it's it's unreal, Carlo, and it's you know this thing just needs to come to the surface. I mean it's just a matter of time before it gets all revealed. I mean you know, the, and the news is not going to want to report it. You know that the mainstream media is complicit, and they're they're in bed with with a lot of these dirty politicians in a lot of these nasty scenarios. I hate to say that, but uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, what, what, um, what else did you have on your mind? Do you have anything else on your mind? Oh, that, that was the one big thing, man. I, I was working on this all day, and uh, my wife could tell you I yeah. had hair across my behind all day over yeah. this, uh, this atrocity. But, uh, you know, Trump is out there. He's kicking butt. There's long lines. I think there's a lot of people, uh, like a couple of the people you hit on in the show saying, there's just people out there who are not saying who they're going to vote for, but they're voting for Trump. Uh, they I, just don't want to. 
you, you know, they, I agree. they don't want to uh, uh, whip everybody up. But uh, I, I'm no. telling you, I, I think there's going to be a red tag coming. I think Biden's going to have nowhere to hide. I don't think Hillary's going to have anywhere to hide. And uh, you know, Bill, he'll probably get taken up on the side. Uh, with that uh, pedal uh, island deal. But Brennan, John Brennan, <laughs> he's going to go Epstein, down. Your buddy Epstein. Yeah, my buddy. <laughs> yeah, don't call my buddy. <laughs> but you know, all these people are, are going to turn on each other like a pack of rats, uh, from the lowest up to the highest. They're, this is how it's done. You break one, you, you just keep breaking them as you go on up the line. Uh, that's how it's done. And I'm telling you, the best people in the world are, are CIA. And, and yep. Trump is going to make sure he gets to the bottom of this. So I, I'm I, just I waiting for the whole show to unfold. Yeah, no, I, and, and I agree. We, I agree. I agree. We, Get the popcorn ready. Get the popcorn ready. Um, it, it's going to be quite something. But cabazootycrime.com, uh, right? Absolutely, Roy. Absolutely. That's the website to go to and uh, get my books. Uh, you got an autographed one, get a hold of me, and I'll send one out from my house. I take PayPal, and uh, the third book is due out next month. If, um, you know, forbidding a civil war breaks out after the election, and uh, that's going to be a good book. You're going to like that. You're going to like that one. Uh, you know, a lot of yeah. gangsters, a lot of good, good uh, you know, stand-up people. And, uh, you know, I can't wait till it hits. I, it's been too long. This cold thing has been driving me crazy. I can't do book signings. So that's affected my bottom line, you know. Uh, you yeah, know, absolutely, absolutely. You, can do, you can do years over a microphone. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I always love having but, you with us. Thank you, Carlo. Thank you. Well, I always love being out, my brother, and uh, we'll talk soon. All righty. Um, everybody, uh, it's been a phenomenal show tonight. Uh, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my sponsors, and audience. You are all incredible. Um, we have another big show planned for you on Thursday. Until then, I'm Rory Sauter. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers.